Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Uh, but if you want to see some great weather for the next few days, just watch the Masters from Augusta, Georgia. starts tomorrow as they chase the small ball. Um, I guess, um, you know, at least... It's another sporting event that is taking place. And, you know, that's nice to try and accentuate positive things that are happening. And the papers this morning uh, carry supplements ahead of tomorrow's Masters 2021. For the rest of us, they're saying vitamin D is the supplement. But other than that, uh, it's uh, COVID-related stories making the papers. Um, And it's a story that keeps on giving, of course. And so do the Dubai 2. And again, here are all of the photographs of the young girls in the front of the papers. I understand that people are critical as to what they were doing out there and why they went there and stuff like that. But I've got a very bad, uneasy feeling as to why everybody seems to think that they're fair game when others, of course, under all sorts of questionable situations, don't have their photographs in front of newspapers. Just my own thought. Uh, they're treated worse like worse than animals, according to the one of their mothers this morning. Uh, Kirsty McGrath and Neve Mulraney still in quarantine after being arrested when they came back from Dubai. Um, and then the papers this morning talk of the girls being made an example, according to uh, one of their mams this morning. In fact, um, you'll find in the mail this morning a, a conversation that I had last week with Corkman Patrick, uh, who stays uh, for a period of time in the quarantine hotel in Dublin. He described the food as disgusting. Uh, they uh, carried that interview in the mail today and also talked to some other people who were in there who described the food as being like frog spawn. They give sample menus of breakfast, lunch and dinner in the quarantine hotel. And I will come back to it a little later in this morning and maybe drill into uh, the menu. On paper, some of it doesn't look too bad, to be honest with you, but um, it's a sample menu. So I'm assuming it's not the same food every day that they rotate it. I think how they serve it is atrocious and these plastic containers, you know, with all the different sections in it, like you'd get on a on an airplane. There can be some treat regarding airplane food, but not every day. The Dubai 2, with regards to their um, uh, COVID uh, results, remember the papers talking yesterday of one of them testing positive? Apparently, both of them tested negative. Um, so uh, they're one step closer, I suppose, maybe to getting out of quarantine that little bit earlier. Meanwhile, the whole issue of medical treatments makes the examiner today with Stephen Donnelly. I don't know whether this is connected to the girls who went to Dubai as to why they went. Was it medical treatment? Was it uh, cosmetic surgery? Whatever it was, it didn't happen. They felt that coming back, they shouldn't have to go into quarantine because of the nature of their trip. But Stephen Donnelly is trying to close the legal loophole that allows people to abuse level five restrictions. You can go out if you have a reasonable excuse, including attending medical appointments but we all know the false medical appointments in Spain with regards to people going getting stuff done on their on their teeth but Michael Healy Ray makes the mirror this morning and I think a lot of people can relate to what he's saying you know keeping shops and hairdressers and pubs closed is nothing nothing short of insanity he says and they should accelerate he, he says that the government should accelerate the reopening of the country why he says because they have no common sense and he says the traders and business people are at the end of their tether and they probably have been for a long time. Michael Healy Ray says the people who are making decisions, uh, the one thing they have in common is that they never paid a man or a woman a wage on a Friday evening. They don't know what it's like to have a business that's closed. 
He says the current crop of politicians that are there lack business ability, common sense particularly with regards to running a business. I'd say there's an awful lot of business people would agree with every single word. Um, now, Norma Foley is not for turning. She is telling the teachers they just need to waste, wait their time. It's a front page of making the mail this morning. Teachers must wait their time, wait for their turn. Um, and in, in response to that, now, of course, you have the teachers' unions conferences on this week where they are threatening strike action if they don't get the vaccine quicker. Indeed, they're saying if they don't get the vaccine as they were originally promised. But Norma Foley says that we need to follow the science. And if we're to follow the science, then that should mean that outdoor dining and outdoor socializing and being able to meet with friends outdoors should be accelerated, shouldn't it? When you see that the COVID transmission outdoors is tiny. I was mentioning this on the air yesterday. The new data shows that just one case in a thousand is linked to outdoor transmissions. So what's stopping uh, the speeding up of outdoor socializing and outdoor businesses opening, particularly gastropubs who serve food outdoors and you can have a couple of drinks outdoors. Maybe traditional pubs should be allowed to do the same. But anyway, the teachers' conferences are on and they're talking about class sizes. They're talking about unequal pay and they're talking about other issues like that as their unions fight their corner, as always. Vaccine certificates actually could be the way to get people who've been fully vaccinated doing things that people who haven't been vaccinated will not be allowed to do things, including going to your gastropubs or going for your pint or going to a sporting match or going to a concert or a gig or a movie or whatever the case may be. But one in six adults now has been vaccinated. I was mentioning yesterday that admissions to hospitals are down um, you know, well over 80, 80, 80 maybe 80, 85%. It's, it's incredible when you compare the figures to January. And on top of that now, the ICU numbers have plunged as well. They're down 75% on January. Now, some would say it's time to you know, get back to business and others would say, yeah, you know, the numbers are low. We want to keep them that way. Do you know the way it is? Kind of like the seesaw. Uh, Sinn Féin's TD, uh, Donald O'Leary, makes the papers today front to the Irish Times because he settled a defamation claim against RTE. Uh, somebody said something that shouldn't have been said and it's resulted in a defam- defamation payout of over 150 grand. And the settlement was reached in recent weeks following comments apparently that were made by Donald O'Leary on a Liveline programme Last year, they also on Liveland had to apologize to uh, the Sinn Féin TD, Angus Snuddick. Uh, apparently, it was mistakenly suggested that he'd been convicted of a public order offense. And you can't be making defamatory libelous claims against people and not expect them to, um, you know, uh, get annoyed about it or to, you know, take legal action against it. There's other legal actions Troy is making the papers. Molly Martins and her father, Tom, are expected to be released from prison today. I know. Can you imagine how the Corbett family must be feeling, particularly down in Limerick? They're expected to walk out of jail today. They've been serving time for the murder of Jason Corbett. They've admitted to his death, but they're saying it wasn't murder. Um, Why will they be doing that? Because they seem to have got themselves a retrial and they'll be left out of jail pending that retrial. So that makes all of the papers today. And some other lighthearted stories include the amount of women who have recently joined the Billionaires Club. It's a story that makes the tabloids and the British UK Times. Apparently, we now have an additional um, 328 women on the Ford Forbes billionaires list. Now there are 200. And, there are 2,755 billionaires. So, as you can see, the vast majority of them are men. But more women are being added to the list, including the lady who keeps on giving 
stories and headlines, Kim Kardashian. She's made the elite list of the world's billionaires. Somebody asked me at the weekend, actually, and I kind of struggled answering the question, why is Kim Kardashian famous? <laughs> I suppose you have to sit down, really rationalize it for a while. Because she's smart, because she's hardworking, because she made a career out of things that maybe other people didn't, and that involves social media. Yeah, but like, why does that make her famous? What was the one thing that turned her on? A reality television show about her family? Help me out here, guys. Text 0868104106. So the world's elite list of those who are billionaires include um, the woman behind the L'Oreal fashion empire, uh, the woman behind Walmart, a woman behind Amazon, a woman behind a huge petrochemical company, um, a woman in America who's got an incredible business um, involving gambling, um, a woman in America who has a confectionery business, a woman in China who's heavily involved in property, a woman in China who's involved and owns a big share of BMW, a woman in Australia behind mining, and another mining woman in Chile. They're the top 10 women who have recently joined the Billionaires Club. Um, and another woman who um, didn't reach a billion, but certainly passed 100. And that is, of course, the one and only Mary McGrath, born uh, on Easter Monday, passed away on Easter Monday, at the age of 105, and lovely photographs of her making this morning's Echo. Shandon Sweets, the Lenehans, have gone online, which is a great story, in spite of all of the carry-on in the last 12 or 13 months. It didn't hold them back. Lovely story in the examiner where you can now get their sweets online. The pandemic brought changes to their business, so they opened an online store delivering their beautiful Shandon Sweets, their bullseyes and their clove rocks and all sorts of stuff like that uh, online instead. Might well come back to that story in the coming days. And... For those of you that like a bop in the kitchen, the top 10 kitchen bopping songs, a lot of them are disco. The number one um, dancing song in the kitchen has dancing in the title. Can you guess what it is? Anybody? Anybody? Those of you that said Dancing Queen, well done. It's the number one. So we'll finish up this morning uh, with the Dancing Queen the blonde one from the ABBA. Number two was I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. Number three was Happy from Farrell Williams. Number four, Shake It Off be Taylor Swift. And number five, Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. You're wondering, where did the um, uh, I Will Survive, the women's anthem, where back in the 80s and back end of the 70s, they dance around their handbags. That features in the top ten as well, Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive. But I don't think I'll play that because I really, 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 really... Really dislike the song. <laughs> I know it's selfish of me, right? <laughs> the Neil Prenderville Show. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. While we, while we look ahead uh, to the back of the spring and the start start of the summer, uh, and maybe things that we can do and will be allowed to do inverted commas. But when we'll be allowed to do it, that's the difference. Monday's a big change, of course, and you can go all over the county of Cork. So that's going to be good. And as you head out into the county, there's not a whole lot you can do apart from take in the scenery and maybe maybe get some click and collect on some takeout food. But the time will come when you'll be able to sit down somewhere and spend some money. I just want to talk to a couple of rural publicans, if you don't mind. Back in the day, I spoke to Nina, who owns Jacko's Bar down in the beautiful Ballinacurra. They call these pubs wet pubs. I don't like the term. It's just traditional Irish pubs, I believe. But Nina joins me by phone. Nina, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are Lovely you? Lovely talking to you again. First up, what do you make of this term, wet pub? I don't like it. Do you? 
It is absolutely degrading. It's awful, isn't it? Where did it come from? It's awful. And we're not wet pubs at the moment anyway, are no, we? No, but could you please explain to me? And we know that they say they say follow the science, right? Follow the science. One in a thousand positive cases were contracted outdoors. So if we're following the science and they're saying that gastro pubs will be allowed to serve food outdoor faster, why can't you guys serve pints outdoor faster? I, I cannot understand it, Neil, at all. We are doing everything that we're supposed to do and we did everything we were supposed to do when we opened the last time. And now I don't know whether they're going to bring in new rules for us or what, but I cannot understand how we can serve a pint outdoors in safety, serving at the table, social distancing, and at least my customers who are so looking forward to coming back would have an outlet for their banter and their chatting and their discussions. And I only heard recently as well, you know the 17 million that's been given for people to be able to adapt the outdoors of their premises. That's only for gastro pubs and restaurants, is it? That's all. That's all. So yes. you're not allowed any funding to adapt the outside of rural pubs, if you like? No. No. Why no. not? That seems that seems very unfair. Well, no, as they call us wet pubs, we are being excluded from everything. They're, you know, they're saying they might be allowed, the gastro pubs might be allowed to open again, and there's a question about the so-called wet pubs. It goes beyond understanding. Yeah, the idea is that if these numbers stack up and we're following the science and, you know, it means that gastro pubs or, or restaurants who have outdoor facilities would be able to serve food and drinks in an outdoor setting. Well, I have plenty of room outdoor need to serve. I could put a hundred people out into my back, the back of my pub, and there would be social distancing. And I don't see why I shouldn't be allowed to do that if a pub serving food can do it. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, a lot of your clientele of clearly would be rural and I imagine some of them would be elderly, yeah? Oh, they would be. They would be. I mean, I'm on the phone to them, to most of them during the week. We'd always have a chat and they just can't wait to get back. Would you have bunches of men then, for instance, that would meet together regularly and are just haven't been able... Oh, I'd have my morning crew, Neil, and then I'd have my afternoon crew, my evening crew and my night crew. Do you check in with them then, is it? Oh, I do. I check in with them all, and they're marvellous. And tell us, how are they feeling, and how much can you share about how they're handling all of this? Um, Very lonely. Very, very lonely. They're missing the camaraderie. They're missing their chat about sports, and they're missing... It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, when I ring one gentleman every day, and he keeps on saying, do you think I'll be back now next week? Yeah. Do you think you'll be, I'll be back next month? How is so-and-so? Imagine I haven't seen him for the last 12 And months. do you have to share news with them then as to how all their mates are, how their buddies are? Oh, yes, I would. I would. I'd say Mick rang or Willie John rang or the lads called to the front door and they were all asking about you. And they're thrilled to know they're not forgotten. Yeah. See, I don't know who's listening or isn't listening to the Vintner particularly in counties where the numbers are tiny like say for instance Cork you know some are saying that special dispensation should be given to counties that have low low numbers it's an entirely different situation in Dublin do you follow me? You see Neil I just think they should make up their minds I mean they always say 
three is a, is a bad number if you're having a meeting because you'll always have two against one. So I don't see why the three of them couldn't sit down, give a date and agree on something. It's the same with the experts. You have this expert coming on saying such and such. One expert will say today is Wednesday. The next expert will come on and say, oh no, it's not Wednesday, it's Thursday. They just seem to be not agreeing on anything. Talk to me about what Michael Healy Ray has said and is quoted in the papers as saying that um, anybody in government um, really doesn't have their finger on the pulse because they've never paid a wage in their life. They've never run a business. They don't know what it's like. You see, my business, as you know, you know the pub. Yeah. It's a small business. I run it here on my own uh, with help from my barman, Nile. Now... I would love, when we would open, for one of them to come down and see what it is like to run a business. They, they have no idea. They have no idea of bills coming in. They have no idea ordering stuff, keeping in contact with my suppliers. They haven't a clue. But they would probably say that you're being paid week in, week out by the government and by the state uh, to keep things floating. God help us. They started by saying, if you remember back, the headline on the paper was that publicans were going to get 5,000 a week. Yeah, that was false. Yeah, yeah. No, that was false. I'd, I wouldn't mind getting 5,000. Some publicans do, but they have huge turnover, those ones. Yours would be a fraction of that, would it? Oh, just a small fraction. Yeah. I mean, we still have our, I mean, I pay my insurance, I pay water rates, my alarms and my uh, cameras. Um, is it, is it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't even cover those. Is it, very ra- is it very depressing to be rattling around the empty pub and the empty yard, no activity? I'll tell you now, Niall, when I go out into my yard, I have my cold room door open, no kegs inside. I go into my bottle store, there wouldn't be ten dozen of bottles there now. Then I come in, I clean my ice maker every morning, clean the glass washer, and then I say to myself, why am I doing it? It's actually very depressing. You go through the routine. I do, I do. Every day I sanitize my door handles, clean my tables, wash pictures on the walls. And then you say to yourself, I'll sit down now and I look around and all I can see is the bar is grand and clean and nobody coming in. And in its history, that would have never, ever happened before in all the years. Never, never. I mean, we used to look forward to having Good Friday and Christmas Day off. And now every day is off. I know, I know, I know. Uh, It's terrible, Neil. It's terrible to tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. And this time of the year, of course, you'd be getting ready for a bit of an old... Uh, a bit of a burst of trade in the back end of the spring and into the summer. Would you be doing painting, decorating? Doing oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually waiting so that I can get my painter in. You see, I can't do that then either because we can't have people on the premises Yeah. until it opens up a bit more anyway. Yeah. Should you think that we're still, with regards to traditional pubs, that we're still looking at sometime around June or July or something like that? June, maybe? Well, I have my mindset on mid-June. Have you? Yeah. 
Well, I could be in cloud cuckoo land now, but that is when I would be hoping to open. Okay, well, hang on to that hope and look after yourself, all right? Thanks very much, Nina. Cheers, Nina. And That's can Nina. I, can I just say hello to all my customers, please? Absolutely. And thank all those who have been so kind to me in the last few months. All right, well, keep up with those phone calls. They're very important to your, to oh, your they radio. Are. They're very important to me as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's a two-way street. Absolutely. All right, Nina. Talk soon. Thanks Take care. Neil. Cheers. All bye the best. Jacko's Bar and Balnacara. Back after the break, we'll check in with uh, David Holly at the Lifeboat Inn in Court McSherry and Noreen at Gallagher's Gastro Pub in McCurtain Street. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 104 Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on 1850-104-106. David is the Lifeboat Inn in Court Mac. David, good morning. Good morning, how are you? They're saying to follow the science and that outdoors, the amount of people that are contracting COVID is one in a thousand. It's minuscule. Does that make you optimistic, maybe, that you could get moved up along and get a decent summer? Your your season's short enough as it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like we have a, we're lucky, I suppose, we have a large um, seafront garden. We can sit 80 to 100 people, yeah. giving everyone two meters. Yeah. Um, so... I suppose it's very frustrating to think we could be closed for most of our season. Um, when you look at images from St. Stephen's Green or the Lock and the places crowded with people where we can control the situation and have everyone have a good time by giving two metres. And that's um, what people actually would prefer, wouldn't they? They'd actually prefer absolutely. that. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, They're just trying to make so the we, best of a bad lot by getting a pint and going down the quays or sitting with their mates in the Lock. Of course, you, you can't blame anyone for trying to get out in a bit of sunshine. Um, but I think it'd be much much more helpful um, for business and for people if they open up um, the beer gardens and, and let people kind of control the situation. But do you think it'll happen sooner rather than later now? Because of this new evidence that we're hearing about. I'd be hopeful. I'd be hopeful we'd, we'd, we'd get in and get some kind of a summer. I mean, our season is so short in, uh, in West Cork. If we don't get July and August, we're looking at a very long winter. <clears throat> um, so for us it's vital we get back in some kind of form Have you any um, idea what kind of bookings are being made down west particularly I mean Cormac is a big spot for people in particularly from Cork travelling down you know holiday homes and Airbnb and stuff like that Yeah I think people are eager to get get back here but I, um, I don't think anyone's really taking bookings when we don't know like the lack of information is frustrating um, if we knew more or got deadlines we could organise the business and staff but as it is, we're all up in the air. Are you being offered money now to adapt the outdoors? Or have you all of that done already? We have We have pretty much all our work done. Um, I mean, any help or grant from the government is always helpful. But for us, I mean, getting outdoors open is, is the most important. So you're, you're, um, you're ready to go. But what, what would you need to do? Like, obviously, the breweries would have to start brewing again, wouldn't they? I'd say they're doing an awful lot less of that at the moment. I would imagine so. I mean... Being, being, I suppose, in, in West Cork, I mean, like the Diageo only deliver every two weeks to us. So, I mean, the lead time is, is a bit longer. Um, all our stock, obviously, is, um, is non-usable at the moment. It all needs to be collected from the breweries. Um, so, they need to come pick up the old kegs and we need to put an order in for new stuff. Um, then we have, of course, our, for the food side of things, we need to deep clean the kitchen again and reorder stock. And, you know, it, it takes time. You have to get on to all of your suppliers then, and they have to gear up as well. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and like I said, any work we need to be kind of done, we have to wait for the builders to come back to, to finish off any any jobs. You and, know, and and of course they can't do that now. 
Exactly, even with a property empty. Because nobody can come in. Yeah, and then by the back end of August, it's quiet again then, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, our season really comes down to three months. And if there was, if one of those months is particularly wet, then we're down to two months. Yeah. So, I mean, if we're opening up in, in early July or, or mid-July, and we get two or three weeks of, of wet weather, well, then our season is gone. But surely you're not thinking about mid-July, late-July, are you? I mean... I would be hopeful that we'd, we'd, we'd be in for, for some time in June. Yeah. Um, but I'm hearing nothing from government that would suggest otherwise. I mean, we weren't even mentioned in, in the last speech made by government. Um, but are you making a difference? Yeah, you're not in the roadmap. But are you saying late July for people to go inside the lifeboat in? That, that seems to be um, the comments by some of the, the scientists. Um, I mean, one of them last night said he thought it could be September. I mean, that would be disastrous for the industry. See, that's why the likes of Mike and Hilly Ray are saying that these people lack common sense because they never paid a wage or ran a business in their life. Have you thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we employ, um, it, it even goes longer than that, Neil. Like, we employ a lot of um, young people in the village that pay for the college fees and pay for accommodation through that. I mean, it, it goes, like, it goes widespread. Yeah, um, yeah. We have wages to pay. Our suppliers have wages to pay. Um, I'm sure there were there were fishermen with, with fish sitting there because the restaurants aren't open. And did you so, get any bit of a bounce at Christmas then? To be honest, Christmas was a bit of a disaster news because we chose to reopen as soon as we could. Um, and it was great. We were, get, we were starting to get busy. Within closing, because of the numbers, we had to throw out an awful lot of food stock again. Oh, no. Um, I mean, the breweries are good. They'll take back the kegs and stuff. But we... we stock an awful lot of fresh food. We had very little lines of, of frozen food. Um, so we had fish, beef, steaks, all had to be dumped again. And again, because you're in, you're in rural Ireland, we have to pre-order quite in advance. Um, so a lot of stuff w- was just dumped and, and gone to waste. Um, so in, in that sense, I suppose, if I had my time back, we probably wouldn't have opened again at Christmas. Really? So, no. Yeah, yeah. It just wasn't, the stop start wasn't worth it. It was such a, it's such a, a short time that it wasn't worth it by the time we had all the stock brought in um, got the staff back spent everything to kind of get the business going again and then to be shut down so quickly afterwards um, yeah, yeah. It, so, it wasn't worth it so no. just for let you go from, from Monday of course we can everybody can go wherever they want in the county of Cork including West including to Court Mac is there any way that you can tap into that market I mean maybe when um, maybe when the later in the season we might look at doing some takeaway but, I mean, a village like Cork Mac, the population itself is so small. Um, you really do need to kind of let people travel down to holiday homes and, and get dining outside going. Um, like I said, we have the space outside. We can social distance. Um, like, it's, it's very heartbreaking to look out on a on an Easter Sunday in the sun, sitting in the rocks here in Cork Mac, and my garden empty. And again, you know, this, it, it makes no sense. this is a question I asked Nina. What's it like rattling around such a beautiful business? Day in, day out, closed. Yeah, it, it's eerie. Even even the whole village, like I said, um, uh, sunny east of sunny down here. Um, the village would have a real buzz about it. There'd be people up and down the street. There'd be families on the beach. My garden, you wouldn't have an inch in it. Um, it you know, it'd be a super atmosphere. And now you look out these sunny days, and I'm I'm going on watering flowers. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's disheartening. You know. Do you think that the price was too high? The price that people had to pay. 
Um, to one degree I do I, I think look I think the hospitality industry particularly were the very first people to put their hand up and say we're going to close our doors and we're going to put our shoulders to the wheel um, and we did that and we continue to do that and public safety is always at the forefront but when you have the science that says listen you can sit outside safely um, I think we're, we're paying a price that's not required of us we can go back we can prove we can do it safely last summer we did it safely and um, there wasn't much of a spike because outside dining um, and we just want a chance to to get back to business let us show how we can do it well do it properly exactly. let us get on with yeah. it okay cheers David thanks for taking the call I'll let you get back to it appreciate it as always cheers. David Holly, the life in Cormac Sherry Noreen Gannon has Gallagher's gastro pub in McCurtain Street Noreen good morning Good morning, Neil. How are you? Are you still in every day doing things with, or are you doing click and collect or take out pints or anything like that? Well, I suppose every day, uh, Martin, my partner goes in there uh, to check things out. Uh, we're not doing the takeaway pints or we're not doing click and collect for the moment. Um, so we're just sitting it out. And I just listened to the last two callers. They're just, uh, I concur with everything they're saying, you know. Um, it's 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 soul destroying not to be open, but you know, I suppose we had to do what we had to do to to stay safe and keep people safe. Because so we're dying the, to get open. The state's going to run out of money if this keeps going on and doesn't allow the taps to turn on again, and you know, let people do what they do in the summer season, and that is run their businesses. Surely, I mean, there's all sorts of money. You you are getting a grant, but is that helping? Mm-hmm. Well, it helps to pay a few bills, you know, um, for sure. It's certainly a help and it's very welcome. But um, like everybody else, we're just anxious to open our doors properly again. Okay. You know? what, what is happening on McCurtain Street there? I've seen a big extension onto the, the footpaths. Is that for outdoor dining? Yes. So uh, just we, the, the timing was a little bit unfortunate in that we had to be all closed down again. So we had um, planned and it will show in the summertime when we do get open again. Uh, most businesses uh, will have outdoor seating and it'll bring a nice uh, atmosphere to the street. Um, because, as you know, going forward, McCurtain Street will become two-way, but much smaller traffic flow. Yeah. So, therefore, it will be, it lend itself very well to a lovely dining experience, indoor and outdoor on the street. Because they have pedestrianised a lot of city streets, haven't they? Is that in anticipation of allowing outdoor dining? It's, it's well. It seems to be, you know, and it's a welcome thing, really, Neil. Because you know, you look as you go abroad, and we were so far behind, and you know, even to have a semi-permanent, which I would think would be a great thing on the street, that people can have it all all the time, but can be folded away or something like that. You are making you comparisons know. with Vancouver, that has great summers but dodgy winters, isn't it? That's right. Yes, when I was there, um, it can get very cold, but it's it, it's all it's very adaptable over there, you know. They they have the coldest, and yet you can sit out and have the meals, you know, that have plants and heaters and tables and chairs. It's it's it's, it's all over the city, really. Uh, so know? we we lag behind. We lag behind a lot of European cities in that regard. Then, but maybe. Well, well maybe. I think. If, sorry, I think if anything came out of this, is that you know we're open to change and uh, adapting to changes that are very very welcome, both from the you know from government and ourselves going forward that these changes, that everybody is working towards them. Because I remember like 20 years ago, at an awful job trying to put a table outside, you know, yeah. because of antisocial behaviour. But we have to get over that and be, you know, be more... 
mature and grown up about it. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. yes. It, it's, it, it interested me. I heard recently that uh, I was talking to some publicans who had to who had traditional pubs. You know the term they call them wet pubs, but yes. be, because they're desperate to get sorted and get their businesses up and running again, they were installing kitchens in pubs that never would have done food. Have you heard that? I have heard it, yes, and I can only imagine that the, the pressure that that must be putting on term wet pubs is something I don't like, actually. Yeah. Uh, traditional pubs. Uh, it's it's it's. I, my heart goes out to them, really. You know, uh, we started off as a gastro pub, um, but you know, having asking people to put in kitchens, you know, the price of a pre, say if you have a four thousand euro grant, you wouldn't even get a cooker for it, really. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. and you know, you have all the rules and regulations to adhere to. I think, in fairness, they've had a hard time, the traditional pubs. And I think they need a little bit more love. So, what? yeah, because they don't get this grant for outdoor adapting Mm -hmm. of the business, which seems kind of peculiar, you know? They're just told, no, so you're not in the mix. It is unfair. They they, they need uh, support and help as well. Okay, so uh, uh, if you were to put a date on it, when would it be? For dining outdoors originally, first up, I would imagine. Right. Well, for for us, um, we always felt that we would be back in in June. I kind of now feel that that's going to be pushed out for indoor. So outdoor, possibly June. I think the pressure is going to come on government big time, you know, because people want to get open. Having said all that, it has to be safe. You know, it has to be because we all need to protect our loved ones. And let's say when, for instance, you open mid-June to do outdoor and people can taste Mm -hmm. your lovely food. Would that be a booking system with uh, limited amounts of people for a limited period of time? Like in the UK from Monday, they can go back to pubs outdoors. They can go back to restaurants and what have you. They can stay as long as they want. There's no time limit and they can say, for instance, from Monday, have as many outdoor drinks as they want. Well, I'll tell you, for, for personally for me, Neil, that um, we have a very small outdoor area outside that. So in order for us to be able to open pay staff and, and, and sell our food and keep our fresh food going, we would have to put a time limit on it. Yes, we would. Um, so that we can turn over our tables. It would only make sense. That's otherwise. normality, really. Otherwise, we'd be, you know. Uh, until such time as people can go indoors yes. as well. You have That's to control right. and turn over outdoors. Yes. Yeah. We would have to, yeah. We okay. Would have to. All right. Okay. Noreen, yeah. thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. Thank you for taking Not the call. At all. Thank you. And Thank regards you to much. Martin as well. Martin and Noreen Gannon at Gallagher's Gastro Pub on McCartan Street. Text 0868104106. I see the text coming in. We'll get stuck into them after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Trevor, good morning. Come on, Lee. Last year, way before the summer, you wrote the most beautiful piece of prose about uh, your summers as a child in Cork. Little did you know that um, here we are with yet another summer and God knows who's going to take us. It's beautifully written, though. Tell us about your summer all those years ago, or summers, I should say. Yeah, well, it was was, all all the summers that I can remember, you know. Uh, from my childhood were good ones, and uh, first of all, they were great memories. Um, but they're always include, you know, they always involved either Cross Avon or Fountain Town or Yall. You know, I actually am old enough to remember the last train going to Yall. You know, I remember being on the train going down to Yall, getting off of Yall Beach. Um, How long are we talking about here? Oh God, I suppose we're talking in forty-seven. So i suppose you're, you're saying you know i'm talking back maybe when i was eight or nine you know i don't remember that far back just trying to work out when was the last train to y'all we're we talking about the 70s early 80s maybe 
I'd say we're talking maybe late seventies, late seventies, um, yeah. about maybe yeah. maybe the early eighties even. And be, was it always the train to y'all? Did you ever get a bus, or was it always, always because we no, we used to get the bus into. Um, um, I think it was Fountainstone, maybe maybe Harrowstone, yeah. but yeah. I remember coming down the hill on a bus, and and you could see the beach as we were coming down around the corner on the hill, you know. Um, that was Crossover or Fountainstone, but to y'all, it was always the yeah. a, a packed yeah. train, was it? Oh, jammed! Yeah, it was always it was always a packed train. Absolutely, everybody getting away from the city. You know, and back then there was nobody travelling abroad. You know, I mean, if you heard of anybody going away on a plane, you know, you thought they were millionaires or something. You know, That's right, it was um, very few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and you very were few. Yeah, and and that was totally normal then. You know, it's it's you describe it as being something that would be thought about as a kind of a runner-up prize now. But for you, yes, yes. I mean, they call it a staycation. No, I mean. You know, people talk about um, going to Crosshaven, you know, and, uh, and Fountain Sound, they kind of look stupid at you if you said you were going off your holidays, you know. I mean, holidays nowadays is Lanzarote or, you know, Cyprus or Greece or whatever, you know. That's but right. I mean, back then, everybody I grew up with, that was the summer holidays. I mean, we'd get on we'd get on the bus below in Pernal Place, so we'd get on the train and we'd head to Yall, we'd head to Fountain Sound, to Garrison, pack lunches, picnics down, of course, picnics for all the rave back then, which... <laughs> I don't know do what you know. I don't even know do people actually do picnics now. You know, so it would be but the bucket, then, the bucket and shovel, and the, the yeah. No, what what would you yeah. eat? Uh, sandwiches. I mean, uh, you know, my mother would make sandwiches. She'd make ham sandwiches. Or you know, thinking back, you know, strawberry jam and <laughs> two slices of bread. But they were the sandwiches. Um, a <laughs> yeah. flask of tea, of course. Um, and then you would always end up getting a, a little carton of chips. Uh, you know, and a chipper by the seaside. You know, that was the, and that was our picnic. You know, you find a spot then amongst the long grass, and uh, you'd sit there and you know, fantastic. You know, they were great days. Tanora, I suppose. Happy, happy days. Uh, red TK or whatever you got your hands on. <laughs> you didn't get whatever you could get your hands on. And you know, and back then there used to be Galvin's um, or any off places really would would have a money back thing. You know, so if you bought the glass empty glass bottles back. The Galvins, you'd actually get you'd get money back from, you know. Yeah. So yeah. we we used to go around collecting. Uh, we used to collect the, the empty glass bottles and save them up, and we'd bring them to Galvins, and the money you get then, you know, you 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 know, you, you'd be able to buy sweets then and stuff for the for the picnic and the day out, you know. Well, they've been primarily day trips then. Um, they were day trips. Yeah, they were day trips. Which, I mean, you know, back then the summers always seemed sunny days. I suppose your memory kind of thinks that way, but uh, it never seemed to be raining. But, no, uh, sun always shone. Yeah, yeah. Always shined, yeah. Sun, sun was always shining. You stayed all night, yeah. Um, later on, then we got a bit lower. We might have, you know, we might have ventured as far as Banner Beach for a week or two. Um, I remember my parents, they'd have a, they used to have a big tent, a five-man tent. So we went up as far as Ross's Point. Go away. Uh, yeah, we Banner. went as far as uh, Banner Beach, uh, up to Westport. You know, um, that was being very up, adventurous then. Westport was, was that was that on the bus or a train or in a car? No, that was in a car. I mean, we had a little, we had an old Fiat One Two Seven. That was small. It was it was a baby blue, baby blue Fiat One Two Seven, and uh, some some other sort of Fiat. Then maybe it was a, it was a bit bigger. But um, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, was, yeah. Um, so in in yeah. y'all in y'all you'd have had perks and I guess of course in Crosshaven you'd have had pipers, wouldn't you? Pipers. Piper's Mary's, yeah, Piper's, Piper's. Um, I remember Parks was, um, Parks was at, as you came into Yard, it was on the right-hand side, there's an apartment block there, no? That's it, exactly. Uh, yeah. That's where, that's where Parks was, and uh, they used to have this big slide, so you'd go up to the top of the slide, and you'd slide all the way down, which was fantastic, yeah. And there was bumper cars, um, and there was chair planes, and of course. And there was, uh, they had the best, uh, 
the haunted uh, was it haunted ride you know the haunted train yeah the ghost uh, train the yeah. best one in Cork ghost train ghost yes. train yeah, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. about the candy yeah, floss do you have that as a kid candy floss yeah absolutely absolutely in 99 ice cream and all those kind of things yeah um, and this was way before any mobile phones or smartphones or tablets or you know back then the computers were the size of a big television you know I mean <laughs> So kids back then really used their imagination, didn't they? As opposed yeah, to technology, to, yeah, you had to, you know, yeah, you had to. I mean, I, I still regard myself as young at forty-seven, but uh, even you know, I mean, even when I was a child, there was nothing there. There was no technology at all. There. I mean, like Pac-Man and you know, Space Invaders. That was that's the only video games you had, you know. So it was soccer um, or hurling or, or or tennis on the beach kind of thing. Sandcastles. Uh, John Mac, John McEnroe's, yeah, John. <laughs> McEnroe and Lendl, Jimmy Connors. We'd 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 make out a square on the beach uh, for our tennis court, and we'd play we'd play tennis. Oh uh, And we'd 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 have the old stringy rackets so you're getting killed, goose. <laughs> you know. Uh, and we'd um, pick up the packets. We pick up the bags and sweets and stuff in Nosey O'Keefe's at the end of Shannon Street. Oh God, I remember Nosey O'Keefe's. My mother worked in Nosey O'Keefe's. Was her first job actually? Did she? Yeah. yeah, first job. Yeah. yeah, she was very, very young. Yeah, so the train pulling it to y'all—that must have been an incredible experience because you could uh, smell the sea, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Yeah, and you could see everybody on the beach. You could see people running, and uh, it just was like everybody was just getting off to get on the on the train and just ran mad on the beach, you know. And it was carefree uh, it was and like, safe, like wasn't it? Absolutely carefree and safe, and if you fell, you were told to get up and get on with it. You know, <laughs> if you oh, fell over man. the wall, or if you had a scrape in your knee, you'd just be you'd just be told to no, come on, get on with it. You'd be grand, you know. And you'd uh, go home and then, be tired from the sea wind and whatever. Absolutely exhausted, wrecked, exhausted, sleep, sleep in for the night. Yeah, it's a beautifully you know? written piece because I can almost taste the, the jam sandwiches with a little bit of <laughs> sand through them. I'm, you know, I'm smelling the <laughs> carton of soggy chips. I see your man yeah, with the flask of tea. We all had that as kids. Uh, and of course, yeah. And, you know, you, you make the point that, unfortunately, maybe the last year will give us an opportunity to look back and say that we probably noticed a lot more in the last year. We were more attentive to things in the last year. Do you get me? I think so. I think you're right. Definitely. I mean, you know, I think for the last, you know, certainly, certainly I, in my last decade, I'd say all I was consumed with was walk, 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 you know, getting on with it. But, uh, you kind of start to you start to appreciate things more when something like this happens, you know. You kind of you kind of stop to slow down. You kind of look around, you know. You see, you know, stupid things like you hear the birds singing more, and you you see the sky and stuff. I mean, simple things like that, you know. I mean, things you take for granted before, you know. Train is gone well, now, though, and, and uh, many of those... Well, hard, gone, you know. but uh, it's, it's a pity, you know, I mean, you but know, I often, often wonder why, why the train isn't still there back down to y'all, you know what I mean? You know, and unfortunately, you know, I drove through there not so long ago, y'all, the main street and y'all, it's really run down. It's know, a shame, it, it, really, you know. It is, it is, because it was such a fantastic town, and... You know, it was you know, everybody from Cork went down there. You know, I mean, it was, it was a and then Spain there. came along, and the Canary Islands came along. The and Greece came, and came along. Canaries came, and yeah, Grand Canary and Greece. And but last year way, yeah. was a fantastic year at home for people, and businesses did really well in all those locations. You know, they really did. So, they did. They know, did. Yeah. They did. Yeah, and hopefully this summer. I mean, obviously, we're not going to. We probably won't get the opportunity to go away, or maybe maybe later on the year. But uh, I think if everybody started to go back to these places, you know, I mean, Crossable is a fabulous place. I mean. You know, Garrison, Fountainstone. I mean, you know, all you need is a beach, Neil. You know, there's nothing better than walking on a beach, you know, even on a Sunday afternoon. It clears the head and everything, you know. And do you mind me asking, have you kids yourself? 
I don't. I don't have kids. Yeah, no, yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. So imagine people listening to this who have kids will end up just going away after our conversation, telling their kids how their childhoods yeah, are very I different. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, know? because I I actually put the piece up on a on a site there on Facebook. Um, all four of the Cork City and County, and uh, I got a good reaction. Ah, you know, and a lot of people brought back a lot of memories. Like you know, everybody can relate to it. You know, they really can. Yeah, they really yeah, can. Any yeah. ideas what you're going to do when you get a bit of freedom? I tell you what, the first weekend that we're able to we're able to actually go, I'm going to get into the car and I'm going to drive down as far as Castletown Bay and I'm going to sit on the wall below <laughs> and just look out at the ocean, just so I can get it, just so I, that I got away, you know. <laughs> For and as long as we can drive get up and drive, drive up to the Irish or Alleys and have a look around, you know, just... You know, because you, as I said, you—it's only now that you start appreciating what's actually on our doorstep. I mean, we've some of the some of the best scenery in, in the world in West Cork and stuff. You know, yeah. So, and, le- and let us all be reminded of that uh, over the coming weeks when we get a bit of freedom and, to go know, to your crossers and, and your fountainers yeah. and your yall and what have you. you and know. I hope people will start going back to to Fort as well and stuff because you know they could badly do the support now, especially you know reading, reading, you know, reading about the, tr- yeah. the struggles and the troubles they're after having. And yeah. you see yesterday the, the statistics that come out to say. You know, that's zero point zero one percent of, of cases were related to outdoors. You know, I think Forta Forta definitely could have been left open and you know, could have been monitored and people could have safely, you know, manoeuvred around the park, you know. Well, what's wrong with a trip to Forta with a few jam sandwiches? What's wrong with the what's wrong with the jam sandwich <laughs> anyway in a bottle of TK? <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Great days, never ne- never forgotten. All right, well listen, thanks for sharing, Trevor. Thanks so much. No problem. Lee. Mind yourself. Stay safe. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 1850-104-106, Red FM. And so what actually happened to the train to Yall? Well, Yall Railway Station was opened in 1860 with regular passenger services withdrawn in 1963, believe it or not. And uh, it was still used for many years after 1963, they say, regular passenger services withdrawn in 63. The line was closed to all goods traffic in 1982. Uh, the last train to depart the seaside station was in 1987. Uh, that's rather confusing because I would have thought that uh, there was still an awful lot of people going down to you all on the trains well after 1963, but this is what we were Googling earlier this morning. Um, a year later, in 1988, the line was abandoned uh, and in 1992, seven miles of track between Middleton and Yall was removed uh, to be reused as track in Sligo. So that was the end of it then when they took up track between Middleton and Yall, seven miles of it. And there's been many calls on the years to have the line reopened. Of course, Cork to Middleton opened again in 2009. That was a 15-year batter, battle to get that done and uh, it's shown significant growth in Middleton passenger numbers since then. Uh, But in 2016, Irish Rail sought permission for the government to permanently abandon 10 sections of closed railway line because of high costs in maintaining them and the all line was amongst them. Uh, They said that they were spending millions and millions maintaining routes that were unlikely to ever reopen again. It's a shame, really, isn't it? Because it would be a wonderful thing if there still was a rail connection to Yall or if that connection went on to Dungarvan and Ardmore and all the way up to Waterford and, and what have you, but it ain't the case. But I'm just curious, though. Um, would you think that was right, that regular passenger services were withdrawn in 1963? Or was it that they just started reducing the passenger services from 63? Anyway, your thoughts on that are welcome. Uh, text 0868104. Uh, 106. Yesterday, big response to how do you like your tea? 
because research is out saying you're supposed to put the milk in first. I will never do it, and I hope you guys won't either. And again, um, people were saying that it goes back to Victorian times, and it was one of the reasons to put milk in first was if you had bone china cups that the cups would crack. Milk first, Neil? Who in the name of God does that? Tea bag first, boiling water next, then the milk. Otherwise, you're left with something resembling dishwater. You're absolutely right. The tea bag just would not fuse with the hot water if there was milk in the way. Sure wouldn't. I put milk and sugar in first, always. I add hot water and then the tea bag. I stir it for three minutes. Three minutes stirring. And then squeeze the tea bag and off I go. Apparently, you're not supposed to squeeze the tea bag inside in the mug. I do it myself, but you're not supposed to. It releases way too many of those nasty tannins, apparently. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Keep the text coming. Text 0868-104-106. I remember going to y'all, all five of us. We'd go down to the Dunkettle area to catch the train with the mam and dad. Off on the train we'd go uh, with all our bags, our Primus, and all up to Clay Castle. Some lovely texts coming in. Another fellow says he only met his wife in the back end of the 60s, and they went to y'all. You're right. There was trains down to y'all right through the 70s. Regular Regular passenger services on the all line stopped in 1963, but it remained open and they had special excursion trains going down there, particularly on on the weekends, say, for instance, on a Sunday. Uh, And, um, you know, they would be the trains that people with special trains to take people down to y'all to the beach and the Marys and stuff like that. But the regular passenger service on a daily basis, trains every couple of hours. That stopped in the 60s, but the other ones, the excursion trains continued. Apparently, the last train from Yall was uh, a return to Knock. It was a special pilgrimage train that went from Cork to Knock and back again. I suppose Yall to Cork and then on to Knock and back again in 1987. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. One fellow who is travelling on Monday is the Baldy Barber. He's heading down west to Court Mac. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And the reason is to check the mobile home, is it? Yeah, go down, check the mobile, walk around the place and um, head off over to Chidani and things like that next Monday. Looking forward to it? If it's snowing, I'm going down there. (laughs) (laughs) If it's blowing a gale, you're going down there. I'm going down there. No matter what happens next Monday, I'll be down there. You'll have a walk around it to see that it's still there, is it? Oh, yes, yes, yes. We normally do that in February or Patrick's Day. <laughs> would you be allowed to? Would you be allowed to go into it and put on the kettle? We check it out, you know. Would you be allowed to go into it and put on the kettle? Oh uh, no, no, no! The, the, the site will be closed, so we can't. We can't. We we, uh, we, can't, we I think we'd be allowed to go in and check the place. All right, you know. So if you wanted a sneaky overnight, that wouldn't be permitted, like. Oh no, 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 no! But there's nothing official yet. Um, but we're hoping that normally it's the first of May before we open up. You know. Could be mid-May, could be the end of May, mid-May, end of May, kind of thing. Well, please, please, God, if the, if the, if the, with the vaccination and the whole last life, please, God, things will go right, you know? Are you vaccinated yet, Baldy? Hmm? Are you vaccinated? No, next Friday. All oh, right, fair play. Next plate. Friday, thank God. And was that Parky Queeve or the new City Hall uh, no, one? No, my, my own, my own uh, GP. Good man. In, in, in Bellingcolleg. There'll be no stopping you then? No, no stopping then, but that'll be the first one. So, Court Mac, and where else on Monday? 
Court back then, we'd go up to Danny for a walk on the beach there and, uh, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And we might do broad stand. We'll, we'll see who's been ordered. Okay, you know? be interesting how many people just like you will be on the beach all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I'd better see the kids be back at school all next week. And uh, we, 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 all the older people. You might have it all to yourself. Get a few, a few bit of, uh, bit of sea, seaside, uh, sunshine. Bring a f- before, um, bring before a flask with you. It, uh, yeah, I'll let you get on there. Your phone is going mad. All right. You know, uh, what? Be back and walk in the second week in May. All right, but we'll talk then. I'll let you rock on there because the phone is gone. Meanwhile, let me just check in with Dave. That's West. Let's head back east. Dave McGrath. Dave, good morning. Okay, so um, we're just working out there as to when... There's some lovely videos online, actually, of the train to y'all. Were you a regular? No, regular, yeah, yeah. Um, I was just doing my, my figures there when you were on to the second last chapter. Um, that chap that said he was 47. It was a Kenneth, was his name, was it? Yes, that was Kenneth, yeah, 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 yeah. I was just doing figures, like, when 47, so... Like, I remember going to y'all on the train when I was 11 or 12. And I'm almost 70 now, so that would have been 1962, 1963. Yeah. And that would, that would tie in with the, with the figure you came back with 1963 was the last passenger service. Well, it wasn't the last passenger, but it was, yeah. the, last, it was the last scheduled service on a daily basis. Like you could get a, you know how you can get a, there's a scheduled yeah. service to Dublin. Well, there was a scheduled service to you all. They stopped that. And all that remained then apparently for 10 or 15 years after that were excursion trains. The odd train. <laughs> So like I just I was I was just saying like I do my figures with, with Kenneth's uh, age so he if he's forty seven he was born in seventy four so so I say he went to Yarwood when he was ten that would make it nineteen eighty four yeah on the excursion trains yeah, would, yeah. Dead, no. but but I, I actually I I don't know I just kind of find it hard to believe that there was trains the excursion trains went to Yarwood in the eighties I just it just uh, I find it I just can't kind of uh, Get that time with the, uh, that time into my head that there was trains running. You know, it's, it's, it seems very late. I thought they closed on a lot earlier than that. Special trains went down, up and down until 1987. And, and what year did the actual line close uh, permanently? Was that like? Uh, 1988, the line was abandoned, and 1992, they took up the track from Middleton right. to Yall. Yeah. Yeah, which was a shame, really. So when you went to Yall, or I think you also went to Crosser, did you go for a couple of weeks with your with your families? Um, every year, uh, oh, uh, two weeks, Yall, two weeks, Myrtleville, two weeks, Claycastle and Red Barn. Oh, like, Where would you stay? Uh, we Well, a mixture of places. When we stayed in Yall, we, we, we stayed in Red Barn and Caliban Park, we stayed in Claycastle, we stayed in private houses down there next to the lighthouse. Uh, and the bad bin they're going to y'all yeah it was a kind of a, on, on the left hand side where would you have stayed in Crosshaven we stayed we stayed in Myrtleville mostly and uh, in, in cottages and private houses and once or twice in Caliban um, but like and then uh, but like I don't know, I kind of I won't say it but I prefer the Crosshaven because <laughs> there's enough to do in y'all but Myrtleville we, when we stayed in Myrtleville Neil uh Myrtleville is a good walk into the village across the avenue when you're going to the mill. It is. <laughs> long walk. So, like, but we figure out a way through through the farmer's fields 
and we were in there in 20 minutes. We'd, we'd, we'd walk through maybe five or six fields. So it was the beach, it was the beach and the Marys really was the, was the winner. Well, the Marys, the Marys every night, like that's why it's six o'clock after all, I don't know. And back out then, maybe at the other nine o'clock, and uh, they were they were fantastic. But in the old like you, uh, in the old the, the beach was a lot bigger, and there were the rocks, and we'd be going on the rocks, and we'd be picking, catching um, shells, and uh, by any kind of fish we found on the rocks. Like back in the day, on on the on the road walk, say from Myrtleville all the way back, say from Fountainstown to Myrtleville, particularly, there was yeah, a. That was there was a lot of houses and cottages there, but some of them were actually made from huge, big um, Ford boxes, massive, big crates. Did you know that's that? Right, Ford boxes. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's I right. think there's still one or two of them left. I think you staffed there. You staffed there at, at Bunny Kennel, and wouldn't you? And you that's walk it. That's it exactly. And yeah. you come back down into town to town. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I stayed in one of those actually years and years ago in the back end of the eighties, and they were very cozy. I mean, originally it was. I suppose maybe for shipping or up on the back of trains for transporting masses amount of freight or whatever, but they were very warm and cosy. That's right. I, 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 I think I think it is a, a friend of mine still that I still um, uh, hang around with, and I think he still has one of these um, one of these uh, cottages or, 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 or four boxes in uh, down there actually I'd love to talk to somebody that still has one and is living in them I'd love to have a chat because it'd be great to hear the history and the stories behind them but like, but like the, I suppose a plot of land was cheap back then you could put anything on it that's right yeah but like uh, but going back to, going back to, going back to the, tra- the trains were, the trains were like uh, as you say the trains were cramped all of a sudden when you got home to the railway station there at 1 o'clock or 12 o'clock of a sudden they like you want to be done the parade to get out of the That's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly you know, it. And, and there was other holidays, didn't he? Like um, my my mother had a my mother had a, a sister up in up by the airport on the back road down to Ballygarvan. And I spent um I spent the whole summer, three months, living up with my aunt. But you're nowhere near water there and you're nowhere near the so, Marys there. Was it a farm? My farm, yeah. We we had a farm, we had chickens and pigs and all that kind of thing. But but like on a Sunday morning, like nowadays. At that t- at that time, you know, we we'd be all going to mass that time when we were, when we were kids. But we'd walk from from us uh, near the airport all the way down the hill into Ballygarvan, and it was like walking on past us. Like it was a very steep hill. I had a long walk, but like that time, Neil, time meant nothing. Like if you if, if it took a ten hours to get there, you get there. <laughs> you know, Are we you there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? But, uh, yeah, you were, you were just picking up stones off the road and pretending to be bowling and. You know, and that kind of thing, like, time meant nothing at the time. Happy days, happy days. All different times altogether. All right, my man, mind yourself, take care. David McGrath, the last commercial train to you all was in July of 1979. My late wife was pregnant and we all went down in 1979, the last commercial train to you all. So I'm throwing numbers and dates at you like confetti at a wedding. Don't worry about it. One thing we know for sure is train's gone now. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Last time I checked, we have Micheál Martin, Michael McGrath and Simon Coveney in government. They're only 
only interested in themselves and spending billions on Dublin projects. We would all love to see the all train return. It would bring great, great revenue for the town of Yall and indeed money for Irish Rail. There are so many families who would enjoy the train to Yall for a day out as lots of families don't have transport. And to a large extent, we're encouraged to have less and less cars on our roads, aren't we? And I suppose also with more and more people working from home, have you noticed that some people are selling their cars? They've literally been sitting outside the door for the past 12 months and they're thinking, I don't actually need this anymore. Or we don't need two cars anymore. We just need one. Or I'm going to drive, I'm going to cycle the bike an awful lot more. So I know what you're saying in that regard. Anyway, text 0868104106. Very busy. I want to do some texts in a minute. But first up, uh, Eilish, good morning. Hello again, Neil. How are you? So you're about 12 miles from the town of Yall, is it? I am. So from Monday, you you can go in there for the first time. Uh, well, question mark. <laughs> 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 uh, but, um, I know, I know. I know. My doggies back in there. Um, I don't want to <laughs> reveal too much. Um, one sec, Neil. My well, you'll be, you'll be entitled anyway to go into you all to do a bit of shopping. I mean, you've got to go to the shops and stuff. But anyway, what's on your mind? Oh, yeah. We are entitled to go. Yeah, we went in yesterday to do a bit of shopping in Little, right? And um, I was saying to my, my partner, Chris, you know, we'll be chance shooting up to see the ocean, you know, because it's beautiful. Like. And uh, he said, oh, my God, he said, and they, they would be patrolling, like, you know, and we just... Who would be patrolling people. the odd beach? Cops. The cops, sure, they're turning people back from the beaches, blowing Shanagari and everywhere. Yeah, but, they, um, yeah, but they're not. They're, are they not actually physically on the beach in Yall, though? Are they? I don't know, but I wouldn't take the chance. All right. There could be a car parked somewhere. I actually have seen a cop car parked kind of um, at the entrance there, where you've been under the barriers by yeah, the ice yeah. cream shop, and um, questioning people. In Clay Castle, but I, they, they didn't question me. But I've seen it, you know. Yeah. Um, I suppose if you went out to Red Barn, you'd get away with it, all right, because there's nobody down there. You you haven't chanced it, no, in all that time. Um, no, I haven't. We haven't chanced it, but I'll be shooting in there now next week. Um, but um, yeah, y'all is just magnificent. I mean, um, I, you know, I'm originally from Kerry, Neil, and um, like I was saying to you, there. They're so fabulous beaches everywhere. Y'all is stunning. Is it North um, Kerry or South Kerry? I'm in North Kerry, um, a little village called Brusta. That's where I'm from originally. Uh, Brenda knows it because she, she, she lived there for a while. So is that, where you, is that where you'll be heading when you can get out of the county to the likes of, say, Banna, for instance, or Ballybunion, maybe, I guess? Absolutely, yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely. The Marys, Cass Gregory. Um, um, yeah, Banna Beach. All those beautiful places in Kerry, and um, yeah, what else is it going to Not be there? Not before times, as you yeah, yeah, yeah got to there. this for sure. It could all change in a, in a wink of an eye, okay. Niall. Okay. Or Niall. All right, okay, appreciate uh-huh. that. Have a good trip to uh, can Kerry I just when you say, get out there. Can I just say one thing there? Um, your man there with the feet one two seven. I was laughing mad. I had a rotten, slimy greed. One two seven was my first car. You know, it was a bomber. That was all very well if you were just in it in your own, but Stephen's entire family were in the 127. Oh, Lord, yeah. It was only me and my daughter were in it. And it used to shake if I got beyond 50 miles per hour, it just start rattling. And it used to freeze inside and outside when there was frost. And wasn't there a problem with rust as well? 
Well, what happened was, uh, yeah, definitely, because when it would rain, there was a kind of water leaking somewhere, and when I'd be driving, it'd be squishing under my pedals and back and forth, <laughs> <Leaked>. right? <laughs> yeah. So what I, what I did was I got a nail and a hammer, and I put a few holes in the behind the back seats, and that's all the problem is went away out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, okay. Happy, thanks for that. Happy days in the 127. My apologies, it was Trevor O'Callaghan who had the 127, or at least his parents did. 127, the whole lot of them. Tiny, they're tiny uh, little cars back in the day. Very popular, but my whole family heading off on holidays with all of the suitcases and all of the, the toys and the buckets and spades from Kilgrews. Well, that's a, another matter entirely. Anyway, there is... Um, there are three seaside spots making Lonely Planet's top 10 beaches in Ireland. And I'll go through those in a few minutes' time. If you're thinking of uh, maybe heading towards the beach next week, um, are there any near you and your own county? I'll go through them in a few minutes. But Joe, see where the broadcasters have been waiting. He just wanted to pick up on this uh, new research now talking about outdoor transmissions of COVID, which are absolutely minuscule. They call it uh, following the science. Joe, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Time to reopen the outdoors now, you're saying. When you say that, who um, do you include in outdoors? Well, sporting events, um, outdoor hospitality, outdoor dining, maybe beer gardens. Um, We saw in in the United States on Monday night, um, they had their first full stadium event since uh, coronavirus. Um, In Arlington, Texas Rangers, a major baseball league club, I think it was 38,000, a full stadium. And while I'm not calling for that, um, surely we could have a kind of a phased um, reintroduction to sporting events with spectators allowed, maybe in in a reduced and controlled environment. Yeah, but would they be vaccinated spectators now or what? Not necessarily, given that the figures that we saw on Monday... um, 236,000 cases up to March and I was at about 236 from outdoor transmissions which equates to about 0.1% so minuscule figures eventually we have to dip our toes in the water it's like when you're learning how to swim you don't spend all your time in the shallow end you eventually have to you know embark on going into the deep end and I think we've just been too cautious I think Neffet are I know there were obvious what happened at Christmas, you know, that's constantly touted out. But clearly uh, the evidence, the scientific evidence shows that, you know, the risks of outdoor transmissions are are very minute. Yeah, but they want to keep it that way, don't they? They want to keep it that way. But Michal Martin has spoken about uh, an outdoor summer. But why can't that outdoor summer begin now? We saw here at the weekend, if, if anybody was in the city at the weekend, um, you know, there was lots of evidence of the parks overflowing with people, um, the pubs selling drinks um, outside. There was yeah. a lot of people drinking in the streets. But in spite of <laughs> all of that, we're not seeing any spikes in COVID numbers. Spikes. The figures here in Cork are are, are, are tiny. So, um, you know, why not open it up in a proper proper manner? I mean, one thing that was very evident in the city at the weekend People were enjoying the sunshine. They were enjoying drinks that they were purchasing and they were drinking responsibly 100 metres away from the, the venues that were selling alcohol. But the lack of public toilets, the lack of sufficient bins uh, in in the city, huge problem. It's a problem maybe that they haven't factored into the equation. You know, the parks in the city, the bins overflowing, people eating, you know, people drinking. Um, and as I said, the lack of public toilets, these are things that were very evident. So why not open it up properly and open it up with, with, with the, the facilities, the desired facilities? 
But are you talking about um, a lot of sporting codes then should be allowed to have fans there and supporters like GA or uh, soccer or yeah, uh, horse racing? Soccer, horse racing. Um, I mean, horse racing has, has continued right through. It was one of the first sports to reopen. But there's been no sense... But didn't we, get a ba- didn't we get a bad spike from Cheltenham last year, for instance? Uh, that, that afterwards, there was cold water poured in that theory afterwards that... The, the suggestions about spike levels from Cheltenham were exaggerated. Um, uh, the scientific pr- uh, evidence isn't there to, you know, to confirm that. Yeah. Um, so, the horse racing got a lot of bad press. I mean, I, I'm talking about maybe having small numbers of spectators back. Owners haven't been allowed to get back to horse racing, you know, in, in Ireland for over a year now. So maybe you could start by having owners allowed back, and then maybe small, uh, small elements of spectators. Similarly, at, at GA, and um, which will be kickstarting now with the National League in May, and um, I'd like to see maybe uh, maybe two thousand spectators allowed in a limit of two thousand spectators. The, the, the stadiums are quite big. But what, so, what they're saying is the vaccine certificate will open up early access to sport and to gigs. But that's for vaccinated people who've had both vaccines. This new digital vaccine cert. It's going to be mandatory, actually, in a lot of European Union countries and probably us as well, which would be kind of give people a green light if they're fully vaccinated to go to a gig, sporting. I don't know whether it's also going to be used to get into a pub, incidentally, or a restaurant. What, what, what do you think of that? I think eventually it, it, it could well be, given given that seems to be the, the, the consensus. But isn't that going to freak out the people who are desperate to get a vaccine and are waiting and waiting and waiting when they see others being able to go to things and do things that they're not allowed, that's going to cause unrest, isn't it? It could cause unrest, but the fact is that, you know, th- th- this report on, on Monday suggesting that the figures, you know, 0.1%, the, ch- the chances of, of, of any uh, spike in cases from outdoor transmissions is, is, is just minuscule, one one in every thousand, maybe. Um, that, that's, the, that, that's the figures, and we live in a world dominated by figures. Figures have dominated the landscape here for the last year. The first thing people look at every night are figures. And here are positive figures now showing that it's very, very safe to, to engage in outdoor activities. And, you know, I just think that we should be moving a little bit quicker. As I say, Monday night in, in Texas, 38,000 people at, at a baseball game, the first full stadium in the United States. So all the countries seem to be moving a lot faster. Um, and yeah. We had that concert in Barcelona recently, which was trialed where 5,000 people were allowed into a concert and they were tested before they went into the concert. If, if, they're, if they were okay, they were allowed in. If, and there was no social distancing at that concert. Yeah, but you're, you're expecting the government to organise all that when some would say they couldn't organise a pee up in a brewery. You know, in fact, checking people well, going in, vaccinating. We're, 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 we're a modern country. We, 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 we pride ourselves in being a, an advanced country. And yet, as you say, so far the rollout of the vaccine has been shambolic. Um, um, they seem to be stuttering from one disaster to another. It's, it's been well documented, the problems are supply problems, but there seems to be a lot of problems, okay. uh, people turning up for appointments. And yesterday we heard of a series of people who went for an appointment and, and they weren't able to get their vaccine. So it's been an unmitigated disaster. Stephen Donnelly probably has been trying to juggle the balls in the, the vaccine rollout and then he's been dealing with the hotel quarantining, whereas he should really be focusing on the vaccine. I, I've always felt, felt from day one that that shouldn't have been within his remit, the 
hotel quarantining that some other minister should have been dealing with that possibly the justice minister yeah hang on just one final text before you go yes indeed Neil you were right the figure for outdoor transmissions is low but what happens before and after the outdoor gathering that's what could have an impact on COVID numbers for instance what starts out as a barbecue for a few friends in the garden ends up inside in the house later that night after a flake of drink table dancing floor rolling not a mask in sight once the drink is in the sense is out you know it's about to probably looking at it in, in a negative uh, people always yeah no but what would start out in the garden or outdoors wouldn't end up in the garden or outdoors not necessarily in in, in it's all about individual everything is about individual responsibility as well I, I think people have behaved very responsibly over the last year I think people are drained now they're drained mentally physically emotionally and um, you know, people have been very compliant. We're a very compliant race by, by nature, the Irish, and we've seen that in the last 12 months. And just to give people a little bit of leeway now and a little bit of latitude, maybe, you know, people deserve it. People are looking for, you know, for for, for, for the levels of adherence and compliance. We haven't really got any rewards yet. Um, there's carrots being dangled all the time, but the carrots seem to be a million miles away just now. And um, when we look at other countries, we look at our our partners in the UK. You know, Boris Johnson says he'll be going for a pint next week. Yes, but he's only saying that because the amount of people they've vaccinated. You know. Yeah, but our, our I mean, we, we took our eye off the ball. Possibly, um, we are kind of subservient in Europe to what we get or the supplies we get, but. Are our government thinking outside the box when when it comes to speeding up the process? Michael Ely Ray suggests not. He says none of them ever paid a wage on a Friday or ran a business and they're just completely out of touch. That's what he figures. Yeah, I, I'm not overly enamoured or hopeful that the, the vaccine rollout is going to be as smooth here as, as, uh, as we are led to believe. I think we are talking a good game at times. Stephen Donnelly is a good talker. I've always thought he was a very smart guy, but he hasn't delivered so far. He's a man under a lot of pressure. I think Michal Martin has staked everything on, on the vac- a successful vaccine rollout. And I think if it, if it is, if things don't improve quickly, um, early indications are that, you know, ongoing problems with AstraZeneca, um, you know, that things will not be as smooth as the government would lead us to believe. But definitely his whole, this government just has put everything on the table regarding the vaccine rollout and um, whether or not it's successful, you know, Ultimately, that will be his legacy, his parting legacy. Okay, appreciate it as always. Joe Seward, I was actually, if you even stopped to think about the amount of money it's cost us, I have some figures and stats actually as to how much COVID has cost the economy and borrowings and money paid out. And we're talking about tens and tens of billions, I can tell you. But I mentioned beaches and from Monday, of course, there will be more beaches available, available to you. And Lonely Planet has come up with the top 10 best beaches in Ireland. Clearly, we don't agree with it. We'd agree with it if there were Cork beaches on it, I know. But because there aren't any in the top 10, we don't agree with the, the Lonely Planet service. Sure, we don't. No, no, we don't at all. Dogs Bay in County Galway. Traw Moor in Dunfanaghy, County Donegal. Keem Bay in Ackle in County Mayo, a beach I've been on many times. It is a beautiful beach. It, it really is superb. Uh, uh, Streda Strand in County Sligo. Inch in County Kerry. All right, we'll give them that one. Banna in County Kerry. We'd be, br- be kind of begrudgingly give them that one. A second one in Ackle Island. Are you serious? Two of them? 
Tramore Bay. I mean, could you not put a Cork one in there rather than two from Mackin Island? Bally Quinn and Ardmore and County Waterford gets in there. And another one from Donegal, Bally Stocker, if nothing else, I love the name, up in County Donegal. And of course, they throw a Dublin one in just for the heck of it, Killiney Beach in County Dublin. Nothing from Cork, so clearly Lonely Planet don't know what they're talking about. Um, <laughs> we should do our own one, actually. We should do our own anti-lonely planet, best beaches in Ireland. We'd have the Inchidani on it, and we'd have the Warren down in Ross Carberry, and we'd have Inch Beach, and we'd have Garrettstown and Myrtleville and Fountaina, and we'd down to Red Barn and Clay Castle and Gary Lucas and lots more like that. That'd be the top ten, wouldn't it? This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Because we had our own golf gate and then you had people having parties at home or you had all of the people who put up marquees and we'd saw the videos of those knocking around for 21st birthdays and Christmas stuff and marquees in the front and marquees in the garden and stuff like that. The French also have had their share of it. There's a story breaking in France now where the French elite, the hoi polloi in Paris, they've had a series of secret dinner parties during lockdown. Uh, restaurants have been opening their doors to the elite apparently and they've had champagne and foie gras and potato soup glazed with truffles. Um, that's the menu, the secret elite dinner parties and they were costing 490 euro a head and apparently now there are videos doing the rounds. I guess journalists got in there or whatever. Uh, the film show Diners uh, not maintaining, uh, not not be, not. They shouldn't have been there in the first place. But having been there, they weren't maintaining any kind of COVID rules, including not socially distancing, no masks. You know the way the French do, kissing on the cheek, left, right, left again. All of the staff in there with no masks. So if you're thinking that uh, money can't buy you everything, think again as to whether they'll be cooling their heels now with regards to uh, the gendarmes or not. I do not know. I don't know whether they put the milk in their tea first or not. Like our reams of text on that. Putting the milk in first should be a crime against humanity. Whoever does it should be charged with treason. Leave it to the dubs for that kind of thing. Uh, another one. Put the tea bag in the oven tray and see how clean it comes out. Add the tea bag into the cup and pour in hot water. It's sparkling and no milk. Why? Why would I want to do any of that? Like, why? I only wanted to know if you put your milk in first. I grew up in the north and it is nonsense to suggest that the milk is put into the teapot. But I did hear it was done way back maybe 56 years ago, 50 or 60 years ago. The Catholic families were very big with 10 to 14 people. And it was handiest. The handiest way making tea was putting the milk into the teapot. So it did happen, but a long time ago. I'm a big tea drinker. I always put milk in after the tea is made. But I'm in the process now of making a cup of tea with the milk first. I'll let you know if it tastes any different, says uh, Noreen in Charleville. Um, we rang Noreen subsequent to that then and asked her well. And she said there was no change in the taste, but it didn't look great. It wouldn't look great. And a lot of it has to do with the optics, doesn't it? I bet you it just never came to life. You're saying there was no difference in the taste, but you wouldn't do it. I know that there are other texts then with regards to people who actually take the tea in the cup and pour it into the saucer and drink it from the saucer. That used to be a thing that the people did many years back. So I'll come back to that in a lot more. Besides, back to the phone lines we go. Jim, good morning. Good morning, Neil. As a proud yawl man, um, are you you taking umbrage with somebody who said that it was looking a bit sad, is it? 
Uh, sure, look, the, the, the time line, Neil, the, the, the time line, well, it is going to be said, but it's not Somebody was saying there. earlier on they'd been down there and it looked a lot of the businesses were closed. But, but you'd see that anyway in COVID, wouldn't you? You'd see a closed town. Of course you would. Yeah. I'll, tell about, I'll tell you about you all. Yeah, like, we, we're down here in the sunny southeast. The sun is shining bright out here this morning and I was just back from my walk. There's loads of things to do in y'all. Um, y'all, y'all is fighting back big time. We have good businesses in town. Um, we have plenty of shops that's open. And, and, and You'll have the Greenway now, which will be a real winner. Well, for what I'm hearing, the Greenway is on hold at the moment. Yeah, but that's no. only for now. Like, I mean, that's... Please God, please God. But I'll tell you what we have in y'all, y'all now. You, you have the boardwalk. You, you, the boardwalk down the, the beach. It, it runs from um, um, Clare Castle right out to Red Burden. Um, at at the start of Clare Castle, you have a, you have a, two mobile uh, coffee shops there, which is brilliant. You can get any. You also have a, actually it a runs shop. it runs from y'all all the way to Red Burn, doesn't it? It does. It does. Yeah, yeah. it does. It does. Walk, it does. Yeah. But the boardwalk and yeah. um, you, have, you have the two coffee uh, mobile units you have you have a shop in Clay Castle selling ice creams um, you, you've loads well look it's beautiful down here and, and then at, at the north end of the town that's heading Dungarvan direction you you, you have um, the Slob Bank to the beautiful walk to nearly I suppose, uh, maybe two miles of a walk along the seafront we call it the Slob Bank looking, looking right up the river Blackwater towards Capricorn and all that direction, you know. Um, in in the town centre, you have the French convent, you have beautiful gardens, you have the town walls to walk all around, uh, like uh, at social distance, and that's what people are doing. Mm, mm. So, like you, you're you're always fighting back big time, and and, and, and you know we're very resilient uh, people down here, and you know you get you'll get your friendly smile, and have no doubt about that. So, like I, I wouldn't say. Course, I have a text last week from people in y'all who don't want people going down. They want to be left alone, particularly people who are breaching the 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 five k. You know, well, that's for look, safety, I suppose. Is it? Look, we come here, me. We're 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 all, we're, we're all uh, big enough and strong enough to to do. We we know the rules, and and the majority, ninety nine percent, are keeping the, the rules. But I I tell you one thing: y'all y'all is doing great, and the, of course, like every seaside town, you must have the weather. And at this point in time, we have the weather. And you know, people are in good form down here. Thank God. Yeah, yeah. You know, we and we have, I, we have no COVID cases that I know of, that I know of, and you know, and um, look, we're doing everything right. If we when this when this will pass, everybody will be welcome. Everybody will be welcome. And we are, you're talking there all morning about the train station. That's an awful loss. I have no doubt about it. But listen, mate, we'll find other ways. We'll fight back. We have a good council in operation down here. They, they, they put the town first and the people in, you know. So, you know, we'll... we'll I know, we'll but it just, strike, it just strikes an awful lot of people as insane when you look at the cases county by county and uh, way out ahead of everybody else is Dublin. This is not an anti-Dublin thing. This is just scientific facts. Uh, the, last, the, last day, the last data that I have using the COVID tracker app with the amount of cases in Cork on the four of April. Do you know what the number was? How many yeah. positive cases in Cor- the entire Cork County on the yeah. 4th of April? Do you know? Yeah. Nine. Would, do you know how many cases were in Munster yesterday? 70. <sighs> 70 cases in Munster yesterday. In all of Munster. 70 cases. And you... you we get updates on the phone like everybody else and you break down, you go through every county and that's what I counted. I Kerry counted had five. Kilkenny had, uh, there were some counties at zero actually, Kilkenny amongst them. 
Tipperary okay. at five. Um, um, but the bigger numbers then are the Dublin counties and the counties around Dublin. It is the capital at the moment, and I don't I don't take any any great. You know what? I lost all the for, but satisfaction in saying that. Yeah, I don't. I don't. And like, it is the capital at the moment because obviously, enough you have the population. And like there all there's protests going on there over the last few weeks, and you know it is spreading because people are not doing the rules. And but down here we're doing everything right. The same. No, no. Look, you had a couple of um, protest marches in Cork over the last few weeks, and I believe that's that's why the numbers in Cork yesterday were high. I think because only know they're coming through the, the system. You know, what were the numbers in Cork yesterday? I th- was it top between thirty two and forty? Is it? Yeah, you see, it, you, you, you say that it's to do with protests of people gathering for takeaway well, pints. Well, you see, well, well you, you know, there was protests in Patrick's detail the last couple of weeks, wasn't there? Mm, but, the, but the evidence suggests it's not outdoor stuff. It's people gathering indoors, at home, friends going in, visiting people. Well, you, Neil, you'll never stop that. You cannot, you, you, know, you, could, you could have three million... But even 32 in, people in a county the size of Cork, would you come on? It's nothing, it's nothing. It's nothing, and you know, I, look, I, I'd want to be knocking. I, I want to be positive because we're, we're all. Positive. Anyway, you're looking forward to a great summer down here. Of course, we are, we are, and we'll have a great summer down in your like every other seaside town. And you're, you're more than welcome. I forgot to mention too that you can hire a bike down here at, at, at the Green Park. There you there's, go. Yeah, so you, so if you don't want to walk, or if you're too lazy to walk, you can get a bike. <laughs> so we, we have, we have all these amenities down here, and great people to own them. And you know what? We're doing fine, and we look forward to seeing everyone as soon as possible. That's it, and a couple of pints or a bit of food, and Clancy's oh, on the and, strand and, as well. And, and, and please, God, I might see you someday in, in, in a few know. months in, inside Moby Dick, and we have a jail together. Happy days, happy days. Happy Some days. Great pubs God and days. restaurants days. down there. Cheers, Jim. Regards to you all, Downey. Sorry, Chrissy, the tea's probably gone cold. Is it has gone cold at this stage? I did finish, Neil. Oh, for God's sake, you're not know, pouring another one. No, I didn't make it in the packet. Use the tea bag this time. So, did you use a tea bag in a china cup? I did in a china mug. A china mug? I'd be darned. There is such a thing, is there? China mugs? Oh, indeed there are. I know, I know there is. I have a few of them at home. But anyway, does it taste better in China? Um. Uh, sure, I don't know. It tastes better out of the teapot, I suppose, really, and putting the milk in first. Okay, but anyway, you wanted to pick up on those that would... Dr- I was talking about my grandfather yesterday who used to drink it from the saucer. Right. Yeah. And did you ever come across anybody who did that? I would have when I was younger. And what was the reason behind it? Because I suppose it was cooler. You either hard your tea or you put it in the saucer, I suppose. I thought, I thought you said that you'd have to come from royal blood to do something like that. No, you said that you must have because I, at some stage, uh, way back in the dim and distant past, I remember reading that when tea was brought to England first in whatever, 6th century or 16th century, whichever, that um, it was only people, really rich people. Yeah, and, like everything. You know, yeah. that could afford it. Yeah. And it was the men... It was reserved for the men, and they drank it out of saucers then. Um, there'd be so, awful slurping noises, if I remember as a kid. <laughs> slurping it up out of the saucer. Well, wasn't it? Huh? You'd be told not to slurp your tea. That was rude. <laughs> anyway, anyway, did you go to y'all when you were small? I did. 
And did your dad work in, uh, in was was the woolen mills or, or somewhere like that? No, it's not many at that stage. Gotcha, okay. So when he, when and the family would get their the holidays... They used weave and they used... Yeah, the wool, I remember the wool being delivered down a uh, uh, shoot. Uh, well, you know, the raw wool and... Big bales of it. And, and carded and combed and... You know, went right back to you got it out on a handkerchief. And are you from Blarney then? I am. Yeah, okay. And your dad worked in the woolen mills. But the holidays then would be to y'all, was it? Would, yeah, when he had his holidays at that time would have been the August week, you know, the first two weeks in August. And that was like everybody went at the same time the, the, the mill or the factory or the business would close down for the fortnight? They, they did, yeah. yeah. And same as Sunbeam and you'll be familiar with that. That's right, yeah, yeah. And um, then our trip to all our bags were packed and our sandwiches and we'd get the water. We'd go way down to the um, the end of y'all and there were, you know, caravans there that sold boiled water. That's right, our houses as well. And how would, and would you drive down or was it on the train or what? On the, on the train. And the and Mary's you'd there? Have your head stuck out the window and you'd be all black smuts by the time. Was it steam? Yeah. Steam train, wow. And the windows, that's with the leather strap that you pull up and down and the corridors along the side of the carriages. Amazing. I was never on anything like that. Not, not in Ireland anyway, back in the day. Uh, you have a few yeah. years on me, I suppose. And the great thing about going into y'all as a child was the train literally stopped at the Mary's. It is. And there was a pub there then that, like, my my dad's last person used to, you know, help with the getting, having the picnic and getting the boiled water and whatever. And then himself and some of his friends would go to the pub and we'd <laughs> go walk. Walking Dad would go to the pub after the picnic was so. We'd be on tender hooks in case he didn't get up in time to get the train. <laughs> <Buddy August. laughs> You'd have to go in and get him out of the pub like lots of other dads. <laughs> Not really, no. He was very good. I know, he? I know. <laughs> and then uh, I remember when the bicentenary of, them, of Mark Manny's was everybody in the factory was uh, treated to trip to oil on the train. Paid for. That paid for and there were parties and there was a dance in the Arcadia and there was presentations and I can't remember you know like like a lot of the big companies whether it was Sunbeam with say for instance the Dwyers or you know you talk about the woolen mills and a lot of other big companies in Cork they did pay for outings for the staff didn't they massive outings on buses and trains that was a once off was it that was really once off it was the voice in January I think it was 1950 yeah 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 you know, so I was being seventy then. And are you, how are you doing now? Everything good? Everything is fair enough. Sure, there. I did. I've every bit of me is repaired. Really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. regular <laughs> NCT checks. I want to make the eighty four anyway. All right. Well, with the new <laughs> valve in the heart, you'll be flying again for a long time. Please, God. Keep on yeah. replacing the the faulty parts. <laughs> And they're doing a great job. <laughs> All right, Chrissy. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Okay. And 
best look. Oh, you're the a best. Dude. You're a dude. You said I was a dude one time. Oh, you are a dude. <laughs> look after yourself. <laughs> best look. Bye. Cheers. Good. It's always great to hear the stories from the elder folk, including the wonderful Mary McGrath. And some lovely texts about replaying the late Mary McGrath's interview with me uh, yesterday morning. I could have listened to that lovely lady all day. She was so interesting. May she rest in peace, Caroline. I'm a relation of the late Mary McGrath. Thank you for playing that chat with her yesterday morning. It was lovely to listen to, and it was a great tribute to a great lady. Thank you for that, Olivia. Happy to oblige. What a great interview. Even better listening to it second time round. My 11-year-old daughter was glued to the radio, and my wife was crying listening to Mary. May she rest in peace, 105 years old. I was humbled here listening. What a fantastic interview with Mary McGraw, RIP. The tears are flowing listening to her singing along with Nat King Cole. It was so beautiful. And a final one. I saw a lovely picture of Mary on Facebook and I recognised her from coming to Yall in the summer and that I worked in Murphy's Coffee Shop. Uh, that was years ago. Herself and another lovely lady um, came in every day. She loved, she loved a cup of coffee with a bit of cream or as she said herself every time, just a blob. We love to see them coming in. There were such kind and gentle souls, says Mary, uh, about Mary. And that's from Katrina and Yall. And she's talking about Mary McGrath's visits to Yall about 25 years ago when she would have been in her, at least her mid-70s. And she would travel down with another lo- lovely lady and in for the cup of coffee with a blob of cream. Thank you for those. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. I can't wait to get out of my 5K next week with the Smallies, but I've no idea where to go. You see, I want to avoid the likes of Kinsale, Clonakilty, and Garrettstown, uh, as they'll be thronged with people, but I do not want to bring them, but I do want to bring them somewhere nice where we can maybe get to run out on a beach, grab some lovely lunch somewhere. Takeaway, obviously. Any suggestions, Neil, for lesser-known beauty spots and where we can have some fun? The kids are three and five. The chances are you'll have... Uh, thank you, Mary. The chances are you'll have a little bit more room to manoeuvre next week when midterm is over. I know the small smallies won't be going back or anything like that. So, But a lot of others will be going back, back to school, so you might have a bit more scope. But I wonder, are there... Any tips from people from lesser-known beauty spots, particularly? I'd love to talk to places where people will be able to go, where there might be, um, you know, coffee shops set up or maybe a stall set up or sandwiches or fish and chips on the beach or things like that, you know? So anybody doing that kind of business from next Monday, do get in touch. Text 86 Um With regards to the Lonely Planet, ah, I bet you it was a cork man who wrote the review for the Lonely Planet because we know we have the best beaches. We just don't want to share them with everybody else. Too cute for the Corkman. <laughs> Fair play. Probably was that. We decided we wouldn't put any of our beaches on it just to keep people away. Besides the beach, there's nothing else in y'all to attract a young family, Neil. Full stop. Uh, well, that's just your opinion and you're entitled to it. The last train to y'all was in 1989. It was a knock special. And the last train out of Middleton was a GAA special in 1988. The knock special may have served Middleton on the way up. Uh, but the last train out of Middleton was a GAA special in 1987. Well, you are right. The last one out was a knock special. And it would have gone Yall, Cork, Knock, Return. There would be 14 trains leaving Cork every Saturday and Sunday to go to Yall. Buses only take uh, 10 people today. So if 100 people want to go to Yall, it would take 10 buses. <laughs> That's because of COVID. But anyway, 14 trains leaving Cork every Saturday and Sunday back in the day going to Yall. Yall, unfortunately now, Neil, is like a graveyard. There are 30 empty shops on the main street alone. 
but many places look like a graveyard because of COVID and we just hope to God that it'll bounce back. From someone who lived near the railway station in Yall during the 70s, we look forward with trepidation to the Corkies arriving down on the train. They had no respect for the locals, walking in the middle of the street, throwing food and litter all over the place. Filthy, ignorant people dressed in their Bay City rollers, Slade and Man United gear. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you for that. As somebody from you all with their opinion of Cork people. <laughs> what was it again? Dressed in their Bay City rollers, Slade and Man U gear. So we're clearly talking about 1973, 1974, 1975. We're still in the Man U gear though, aren't we? In track suits. up on the Bay City rollers and Slade. Uh, love the stories about childhood holidays. We still go on holidays every year to our childhood spot in Tregumna in West Cork. Now we go there with our own kids. My childhood summer friends are now my neighbours, as we all have our own mobile homes here now. Or there now, I should say. We grew up together, uh, have been each other's bridesmaids, and are now making memories with our own kids, who are now summer pals with each other. The best holidays and the best of memories. And I suppose that's picking up on uh, my conversation early on with uh, with Trevor O'Callaghan, who wrote a beautiful piece about his own childhood in Crosshaven and Myrtleville and Yall. Back after 11. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is The Neil Prenderville Show. As I was listening to uh, your show on Friday and Kate's email, this is from... um, Certainly last week's program at some stage where she was saying that, uh, you know, everybody was complaining about what Kate had to say with regards to mothers not minding their kids enough and all the food being eaten by kids is all wrong and that she was tired all of the time from it. Uh, listening to your Friday woman, Kate's email, I agree with some of her points, but you know what bugs me? These women who have children and all they do is complain, complain, complain. And they're also tired when they're on Instagram. I mean, if you're that tired, then surely you wouldn't have time to be complaining on Instagram about being tired. Go away out of that and stop looking for pity. And before anyone asks, I'm a mother of three myself. Yes, it is tiring with smallies, but that's what I signed up for. It's no surprise to anyone that children will turn your life upside down. Uh, come off Instagram if you're tired. Go for a nap. Love the show, says says Donna. And when we're on the subject of that then, uh, and uh, people who want to get back to work, but of course when they try and do the maths on creches, as opposed to what the salary is paid, they're forced to stay at home. Uh, in the time of my body, my choice, when a woman's reproductive rights are nobody's business but her own, why on earth should we all have to pay for her childcare? Do they want equality or special treatment? Which is it? Nobody's forcing them to have children after all says Richie. Neil, can you imagine for one moment if some of the money spent on free legal aid last year, which was around 65 million euro, was actually given to childcare for the young and towards cataract operations for the elderly? Um, Are you suggesting we abolish free legal aid um, so that those people who are only rich enough can defend themselves in court or take a court case? Uh, I know it's very difficult, but you need to be careful you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, it is abused for sure, but not by everybody. Some people who um, don't have money are entitled to free legal aid because they may have be in, may be innocent or they have a case that they need to take against somebody who isn't innocent. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's not a one-cap-fits-all solution by just saying, oh, get rid of all free legal aid and give it to childcare and give it towards the health service. 
I mean, what does the health service do with a lot of it anyway? Lines open at one 106 on that one and lots more besides. But back to the phone lines we go. I'm on a real journey around Cork today. It's great fun. Uh, to y'all, I think from y'all over across to Kinsale we go. Colin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are we doing? I'm Hello, good. Kinsale. What's nice this? To talk to you again. What's this? You too. What's this great news I'm hearing about Kinsale this morning? Oh, the lovely lonely planet said it's the the best place in Ireland to retire. How cool is that? Travel and Leisure magazine said that Kinsale is one. It, yeah. It's one of the top nine places in Europe to retire. Why would so this? Why wouldn't? Why wouldn't it be? We have everything here. We've golf. We've tennis. We've got cafes. Bars, restaurants, we uh, I have a beach within four kilometres of my house, you know? It said the town offers a perfect location for re- retirees who enjoy the outdoors and describes the old head golf course as one of the most beautiful in the country. Okay, maybe it might be a good place to retire if you're a golfer. Or you like fish and chips from Dino's. Yes, indeed. No, there's, there's lots to do here. Look, um, I, I, the cafes here are brilliant. There, I go to Gillian down there in Cozy Cafe, and she makes great lattes. You've got the gourmet pantry. We've everything here. Uh, I'm, I'm a tennis player, as you know, so tennis is my thing. We've got a lovely tennis club. During lockdown there, we've actually built three new courts. Uh, we resurfaced them, which is nice. So I mentioned to get back to the tennis on the 26th of April. I wish it was sooner, but it's not, you know. Okay, and what if somebody wanted... Okay, I mean, I love Kinsale. I'm looking forward to get. It's only 20 minutes away. We should all be going there more, me included. Yeah. But if I were to... If somebody were to retire there and have to buy a property, though... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't afford a property down here. I've been living here four years. As you know, I moved from the, the USA. But um, I'm renting a property at the moment. I do enjoy it. But look, I suppose by the time people are retired, they normally have a property and they sell and they come down. But I, I just think it, you know, Kinsale has been very welcoming to me and my family, to be honest. And what was the backstory regarding your move again? I know I spoke to you in the past. You know, we did. We, we spoke a few times. We had a lovely interview. Your beautiful in wife passed away, wasn't it? That's right, Peggy. That's right. That's back in uh, that's seven years ago now, yeah. And we yeah. spoke about that, yeah. And I moved back with my son there. I, uh, I just decided to come back. My family and friends were here in Cork. And uh, I just happened to choose Kinsale. And I, I made a great choice. And from the, what part of the States then? I'm just trying to compare the difference. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Baltimore. Baltimore, Maryland, USA. Beautiful, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lovely inner harbour in Baltimore as well. But Baltimore has a lot of social problems, you know. You'd have, uh, you know, they have over 300 homicides a year in the city, you know. So from there then to Kinsale. Yeah, um, yeah. But... A big difference with weather, I guess. Yeah, people people usually look toward like an awful lot of people retire to the Canaries because they want sunshine. You know, yes, they do sunshine and beaches there, but it's not everything. I mean, I think we get enough down here. I, I, like I said, I, I'm I'm an avid tennis player, and I get to play tennis very very often here. You know, you get nice days, and you know, there's like I said, there's beaches here. Are you working out of Kinsale now as well, Colin? I'm not working at the moment. Um, I was working in the Blue Haven for a good while, but um, I, I just take care of my son full-time, so no, I'm not working at the moment. I'm not, but I'm hoping to get back in the workplace uh, sometime this year. For oh, well, you have priorities, in fairness to you, and you're rearing yeah, and your son. There's a lot of opportunities here in Kinsale as well. Another reason why I moved here, and you know, there's a lot of new businesses here. You know, Blacks in Kinsale there as well. We get distillery this year in 2021. There's an awful lot happening here. There is. And I'm mostly hearing good news about the Lemon Leaf Cafe. Do Am I right that they're putting in some sort of a boutique hotel or certainly are, rooms indeed. and things? It's, it's great. And, you know, long may I continue. You know, there's, there's just lots going on here. There really is. And, uh, 
it's a, it's a great place to live and, and to visit. It does get, a, get, get, get very busy during the, the normal summertime. You know, we get an awful lot of American tourists here, of course, because it's, it's really on the wide Atlantic Way and it would probably be the, one of the first stops in Cork City, you know, if you get to Cork Airport. Must you know, have been weird last year, though, not to see any of the Yanks, you know? No, no Europeans well, and stuff. No, there was there was still Americans there. I think they came from, but not a lot, no. Um, but you'd see, you, you, I met quite a few on the streets um, during the summertime, but not as much as they used to be. I mean, the place you'd have tour buses here coming down like you wouldn't believe. But you know, there's there's just it's like I said to myself say to you there's just so much to do here you know there's a beach here there's golf tennis you know it's great restaurants bars great culinary capital of the country as well and and you've got the you know this time of year you know the, the county council have been out planting all the plants and it's starting to you know people are starting to come out more and walk more and enjoy more and you know you I see think nice I'll go, I think I'll go down to Kinsale on Monday afternoon actually give me so why don't you give me a shout and I'll meet you in Cozy Cafe for a coffee? <laughs> we could do that. So on the on the list yeah. that Kinsale yeah. makes as one of the top nine places to retire in Europe, it's alongside the Algarve in Portugal, Bordeaux in France, Valletta in Malta. I don't have the full list. I don't know whether the Canaries get on it because, it, wow. so, you know, the only the only problem, of course, by comparison to places like Portugal or the Canaries and, and Malta, yeah. is they're a lot yeah. cheaper to survive yeah. in. You know, yeah. you spend oh, less money. Yeah, and I've been to those three locations you visited. I, I do like to travel. I would consider myself a, a bit of a spalpeen faunuk, you know, a wandering traveller. I do travel a lot. It's one of my things. And I've actually been to those three locations that you've named there. You know, I was in uh, Malta with my brother there a year and a half ago. I thought Valletta was a mind blower. Did you know that was fabulous? Beautiful. Enjoyed it. Very, very old, surprisingly old buildings there. You'd be very surprised when you get there. You think it's all nightclubs and bars. It's no, the old town is place. fantastic behind the it big old medieval and wall. The weather there is fantastic as well. Like you said, the weather is amazing in, in Malta. It okay, is. okay. Well, you should yeah. be on a tourism committee down in Kinsale, in fairness to you, bigging up the town. <laughs> well, listen, it, 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 you look, there's so much negativity today, Neil, to be very honest. Look, the weather's getting better. I think uh, we, I can see a light at the end of the tunnel. It's been hard. I mean, my son's been home schooling since January, you know, and that's been difficult for him as a 13-year-old, but you know what? He got a fantastic Easter report. I'm very proud of him. And you know what? The school down here, Kinsale Community School, has been fantastic as well. There, you sound you know, very happy learning. out yourself and your son. Well, well, thank you. You know, it's, it's a journey, but I'm enjoying it. Good I'm enjoying man. it. Listen, yeah. lovely catching up. Stay in touch, Colin. See you soon, all right? Okay, thanks very much. Cheers, Pat. Take care. care. Nice one. Lovely story. I spoke to him in the past as well about the relocation and the passing of his beautiful wife. Lines open at 1850 So let's hear it for Kinsale as well as Yall. And of course, on Monday, have an opportunity to go down to the likes of Kinsale or Yall. And you won't be stopped at the checkpoint and you won't be quizzed by the boys and girls in blue. So we got something to look forward to. More, much obliged to everybody else who's getting in touch. I want to get through some emails and texts as well. But Anne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? And you have a mobile home down in Yall, do you? I have. I'm, I, I now after speaking to your caller, Colin, there, um, I work in Kinsale and I have a mobile home in Yall. <laughs> <laughs> so you, and I'm an SNA, so you've got a triple umbrella here now. Why would you, li- why would you, why would you, <laughs> work in Kinsale, live in Kinsale, yeah. but have a mobile no, home in the. I don't, no, I don't live in Kinsale, I live in Mayfield. Oh, so right. There's okay. another one, a sissy girl down in, the, in Kinsale. With a mobile home in y'all, so you've got a tripler. You have a tripler here in Emily. <laughs> I love it. And like, have yeah. you always had a mobile home down east, yeah? Only 10 years, yeah. I've mobile home 10 years. 
down in y'all, like kind of thing. And I work in I worked in St Patrick's in Dunn's Cross in the school there as an SNA for nine years. And now I'm lucky enough to be down down there in National School in Kinsale for the last nine years. And I'm mobile home in y'all. Somebody said by text there that there's nothing for families to do in y'all apart from the beach. Uh, well, after listening to Trevor O'Callaghan's piece there that he had this morning on Facebook, and I read it, it's the old-fashioned ways are the best ways. Get that girl or gentleman that wrote in that, pack a picnic, get out, there's nothing to do. You can make things to do if you want it. Simple bag of chips, go to the Mary's, you know, hire the bikes, as your lovely gentleman yeah. Colin said this morning. you, you got to make life what you want it to be. You know, you you just, you if you're going to go around and look for things all the time and cause arguments and do this, that and the other, you're never going to go through life unless you just kind of make the best of it. Okay, as an SNA, are you observing the teachers at the moment at their uh, at their conferences? We heard in the news this sh- morning now about strike I action. I sure am. I sure am. I sure am. And I'm an SNA that works very closely next to children as well. And I um, I believe that everyone should be entitled to vaccination and everyone thinks that we should all be entitled to vaccination and it's true elderly vulnerable people I have elderly parents I want them to be vaccinated and different age groups one has been done and the other hasn't carers home health teachers done stores workers everyone we all feel a reason to be vaccinated let's just face it and you know two households come together next week it's fantastic so I do get teachers you know being you know classes frontline for the simple fact that, you know, you're coming, 30 different families come together under the one classroom. Yeah, you are mixing. So, yeah, they should be vaccinated. I do feel that they should be vaccinated. As well as everybody else in the, in the, in the world. We're all entitled to No, but uh, th- that's yeah? fine yeah. if you say everybody. Yeah. But, th- th- but the problem here at the moment that people have is that the teachers are looking, okay, they were promised it as a priority, as, as frontline, and then it was withdrawn from them. Some people are suggesting, why would you be bothered looking for it now when you'll be going on the summer holidays in, in maybe six yeah, weeks' time? Just You know what? That's just all uh, media and hype. And, you know, there's, like, you just forget what teachers do actually try every other day and every month of the year. And, and isn't it? Like, we, we, and I'm just, I'm not just saying that this teacher bashing that's going on. You had a teacher there last week, emailed you, Neil, and I was really go mad that I know you're there to do a show and you have, you, that's your job to kind of give two uh, sides of the argument, which I totally agree that yeah. you should have given everybody an open opportunity. But the girl that said that she couldn't, the teacher that went on to say that she couldn't go on anymore, it was like a Caroline Slack kind of thing. If you can't be kind, if you can't be kind, right. don't say anything. Yeah. But to be honest with you, I, you know, I was a, I was a parent on the other side of this job, you know. I was really, and I was in this the the, the yards there waiting for children to come out of school, and I had presents for the teachers Christmas and Easter, and I'd get uh, what are you getting the teachers presents for? They get well paid, they're off the holidays. You know what? These teachers and SNAs are teaching my children twenty four seven, five days a week. If I had to pay that in childcare. And 30 multiply by 30, you know what? A voucher at the end of the year is not a bad thing. For all the prep that these teachers did, I've seen it on Zoom here, you know, over the last, on lockdown. I've seen children suffering, being vulnerable, and, you know, lucky to God, some children were lucky enough in my area, considering where I worked, that they had the beach on their doorstep, that they were able to get to places like that. But I had a lot up in the city that didn't. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I do agree that, you know what? The, I, I, I was a second adult on Zoom calls with teachers the way they nurtured the children the way they taught the children the way they interacted with the children you know what 
they, they, they were their little outside world connection for that time, you know, and and and. But I don't, yeah. I don't hear unions coming out roaring and screaming for people working on uh, the checkouts and your Tesco's and your Duns and your Super Values who are dealing and handling things with people every single day. Yeah, but they should. We could just put it down to that. They probably should. Everybody needs to get vaccinated. I'm not saying teachers should be done for 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 those of a carer or those of an adult. My parents, I actually would feel that they should be vaccinated. Everybody should be vaccinated. But look at the moment, it's like, you know, as as before when the um, when schools were on lockdown because, you know, there was a high risk of uh, cross-contamination. Uh, yeah, like, if, like the parents were have children at home. You know, there's, there's a lot of uh, children, they kind of think, suffering mental health issues. That's right, and a lot of the people a, going to school are, are almost adults themselves. You know, you look at fifth and sixth years and stuff. That's the like secondary that. school, but you've got a lot of children from sixth that I've seen, you know, that like... They need to be back in school. They need to be in their little routine, you know. Okay. They need to be, okay. you know, and they do. And, you know, it just, it just, it just, it just pulls out another method of, um, you know, need that the child may need if they're not in school. Another thing too, parents, uh, it was a fantastic parent with, with, a, with her child with special additional needs. She made a very good point, you know, she had uh, three children on the autistic spectrum there. I think she was on your show yeah. or as it was yeah. your opposition. <laughs> it was one or the other. I do yeah. listen to both. But she uh, has two children on the autistic spectrum there in uh, in up the country. And she said, you know what? She said she was fed up with teacher bashing and SNA bashing and this, that and the other. She turned around, she said, made a very good point. She said, you know what? She said, teachers and SNAs have not left my children down. She said, they've been the actual backbone for children in time of need. She said they deserve their money. We won't even go into that, you know. We won't even go into that. But she said, you know, who've left my children down? She said, uh, speech and language therapy and this, that, and the other, putting the points up too high for children in college, not leaving them give a chance for them to, you know, to, to follow their passion in life, yeah. whatever they think they're good at. You yeah. have a speech and language therapy. If I could go under a lot of umbrellas here, you could go under teaching, you could go under posing, you could go under special ed. I could actually go under homelessness. With the great work of Catherine Schumi there doing, you know what? There's, there's how you know you could go into loads of houses brought up. With it. The education system in in parts of not all now because as you can see with media throughout these few months, the way it's been uh, not you know you know there's been decisions made without consulting staff members. You know there's, you've seen that over media, but like there's there's a lot of this like. As regards to teaching and uh, like a school environment, for want of a better word, you know, the boxes have been ticked as regards, ticked as regards in ways, you know, there's a book rental scheme, the schools, the teachers are put in place, they're, they're educating their children, that, you know, their manners come from home too, and teachers' manners come from home, teachers as well, and, and SNAs. You know what? Box together and let this get, okay. get this thing under control and let everyone be vaccinated. But at the moment, if you know, if, if get the vulnerable people done first, the elderly, you know, carers, home health, teachers, SNAs, downstairs workers, anyone that's dealing with the public, forget the ball rolling, you know, does that make sense? It does, and well said, thank you for it. By email, yeah. I'm disgusted, thank you, I'm disgusted to hear about teachers talking about strike action if they can't get their vaccines. What about the staff of childcare services? They have been back working long before the teachers ever were. Teachers are not expected to change their students' nappies or hold them in their arms. Childcare staff are. Nobody talks about them. Also, my friend in childcare informed me that almost every teacher in her area sent their kids into the creche all 
last week and will continue all this week. Um, I'd love to know how many teachers are sending their kids into childcare when they're off, but yet moaning about going back into the classroom themselves. They don't seem to have, oh, I suppose what you're saying is they were sending the teachers were sending the kids into creche in, in childcare um, during the Easter holidays and break. Uh, they don't seem to have any issue putting their precious children into childcare where they could be, where they could be open to getting the virus or indeed passing it on to the staff caring for their child. If a teacher is putting the child into a creche while they're off, they've absolutely no right to be given out about vaccinations, says uh, Mary by email to neil at redfm.ie. Pick it up after the break. Thank you. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Talking about our children actually in different aspects of their uh, health and well-being and education and what have you. Interesting conversation with Ashling here. She joins me by phone. Ashling, good morning. Good morning, Neil. This, this actually has more to do with the growing number of Cork children who are being denied the basic rights to go to school, isn't it? Yes, Neil. Yeah, my own daughter, Kayla, has been left without a school placement for September. She, um, she what now? But is she 11 now, that kind of thing? Yeah, she's 11 years of age. Um, she's a dual diagnosis of autism and a moderate intellectual disability. So she's been left without a school placement for September, that there's no places available for her. And her only option is 20 hours home tuition. And up until now, where has she been going on a daily basis? She's been in Skullcare, a junior school, so they keep the kids up until they're 12 years of age. So Kayla will turn 12 in August, so she's just missing out on an extra year in the school by about three days. So technically, Kayla is only fifth class age, really, because yeah. most of her own peers of that age would be technically only going into sixth class. But because she'll be 12 before the 1st of September, they have to be out of the school. But when she turns 12 in September, will she will she have been through sixth class? No, she won't. You see... All right, so she'll move and she'll move out in fifth, fifth class? Yeah, technically, yeah. Parents yeah. of her own age would have completed eight years in, yeah, in yeah. primary school. She won't have done that. She'll only have had seven years in primary school. And why education. does it work like that? Why can't you get through the primary system? I don't know, Neil, your guess is as good as mine. Um, it's just the way Skullcara has worked. Most other special needs primary schools will cater for kids up to the age of 18, but for some reason, Cara only caters to the age up to 12, and then they're to progress on to a secondary school from there. Okay, and why so, isn't that happening within your district, that she's moving on to secondary? Because there's no secondary school available for her. Um, she... Was we were told to apply to Skull Trest, which would have been where the majority of kids from her school in Cara would go to based on their diagnosis. But they had only a capacity for 10 kids this year and 14 kids alone from Cara were leaving. But there wasn't enough places to facilitate all the kids. So what's your option then? I don't have any. I literally have no options. I'm being told by the CINO, so the CINO would be the special education needs officer, that my only option is 20 hours of home tuition for Kayla. Now, school for Kayla isn't just about the educational side of things. Like, it's a place where she learns life skills. Um, she gets her only social interaction in school. Like, she wouldn't have any friends at home. Like, it's the only place she gets to meet friends, play with other kids of her own age. 
the, the structure and the routine and like Neil she's totally oblivious to all this going on she has no understanding that she doesn't have a school to go to come September How will she be about the fact that she'll be leaving Cara will that be a problem? Like that's going to be a problem enough in itself as in like she probably won't understand why she's finishing it up but if we had somewhere for her to progress onto, it would have been fine but me now trying to explain this to her that she has nowhere to go to is going to be really upsetting for her. Because the mornings are exciting times. She's getting ready and she's got a routine and everything, I suppose, doesn't she, on a daily basis? She does. She gets a taxi every morning to school, so the taxi comes and collects her. When she gets to school, she's greeted by her SNARA teacher. She's into the classroom. She has her daily routine. She uses visual, visual schedules in school. So, like, she's real routine-based. And, like... I can't provide that routine for her with home tuition at home. Like, I'm not a qualified teacher. I'm not an SNA. Like, if I have a teacher coming into my house, do I have to be the SNA there with the teacher? Will I have to do things like change my house insurance to facilitate this tutor coming into the house? So there's a lot of things that... It's just not easy. And, like, it's really, really hard to find a tutor. Like, I can't... Do you, do you have to things. find the teacher? Yeah, I have to find the tutor myself. So when I find the tutor, the tutor then has to come into my home. So, like, I don't have a spare room in my house to set up a classroom. So I did use the kitchen, the front room. Like, I have two other kids at home, a newborn baby and a two-year-old. Like, it's just not possible to do home tuition. And it's not fair, like, she's only 11 years of age. She deserves to be in school like every other child her age. Every few weeks we get calls from people about the major problems in Cork. The parents, you know, they're completely stressed because there, there aren't enough primary, as well as in your case, secondary school places for kids, autism, Asperger's, intellectual disabilities, issues like that. Um, you, you would get a tutor that you would find yourself. That tutor then would come in and, and work with, uh, with Kayla. How many hours a week? You're entitled to 20 hours a 20. week. 20. And then the state will pay the tutor, is it? Exactly, yeah. So I'd apply to the state and they'd pay them the 20 hours then. Now, from experience of tutors, I find it very hard to get someone. You're entitled to July provision as well, which is um, for the month of July in the summer. I can't even find a tutor for that one month alone. I struggle every year to find someone for that. Now, I'm expected to find someone for the stable future. And like, if I'm to find this tutor, they have to be qualified in autism, challenging behaviours, OT, psychology, speech and language. Like, what tutor are you going to find that's going to be... You're almost like interviewing people. You'll be interviewing people, won't you, really? You'll exactly. be doing... A- and I, I don't know these people. Let me see. If I was to take on someone, I want someone who has experience because Kayla can present with challenging behaviours. Well, other, be but other children of her age actually will move on to the secondary school scenario while Kayla won't. No, there's several other kids in her in her current school have no places either. I'm but, not the only person. But some do have places, don't they? Well, there was 14 kids, there was 10 places, and there was only a few out of them actually got places. But the thing is, Neil, I was told on her refusal letter that she missed the criteria for the school, but unfortunately a place wasn't available. And it's not that so you that, can travel further distances to find a, tr- a place, no? They're just not available. Well, I, would, I, I would, Neil. I'd travel anywhere if she had a school placement, but there isn't a school placement available for her. You see, it goes yeah. based on her report. So they get a diagnostic or cognitive report done before they finish up their final year. 
So she has just got her cognitive report done again. Now, luckily for me, her report has remained the same. So Skull Tress was the school that she met the criteria yes, for. Yes, I know, I understand. Yeah. There's other parents in a situation where their cognitive report actually changed from moderate to profound. So they were given no hope to find yes. any secondary school yeah. in the space of six or seven months. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. You know, there's just nothing out there and they're thinking that we can just accept home tuition and let that be the option for us, but it can't be the option. Like, she's 11 years of age. She can't be left at home at 11 years of age. It's just not right. And the government really, really, really needs so to... So she, she'd regress then personality-wise and skill-wise, wouldn't, wouldn't she? Oh, most definitely. Like, when she's out for a routine, she really regresses and it presents in challenging behaviours. Now, we had the bones of... A couple of months being out of school and then a few months out of school, I've I really seen how hard she can be when she's not in the past. How does all of this make you feel going forward if this happens? Oh, I'm devastated, Neil. I can't even sleep at night. I'm upset. I'm crying. I'm heartbroken for her just because she's so oblivious to the whole thing and doesn't know what's going on. And I'm furious at the government. I'm furious at the Cenos. I'm, I'm just... I'm furious because no one is helping me. Like, the Cenos are there meant to be, like, helping me find a school placement, and they've done absolutely nothing. All I'm getting back in an email, no, no update, no, no update. Like, we're emailing politicians, phoning politicians. Do you know, it shouldn't be this big a battle for something that they're entitled to. Like, it's her constitutional right to... Yeah, that, in, in the sense, in spite of her challenges, she not, should not be treated differently or not no. given the same opportunities as other kids in the state. But exactly, Neil, if this was any other 11 or 12-year-old in primary school setting, in national school, and you told them there wasn't a place in secondary school available for you... Sure, we'll give you 20 hours home tuition, you'd be grand. There'd be uproar over it. And are you talking to other parents who are doing just what you are suggesting you will have to do? Have you had an opportunity to talk? I have, yeah. Actually, there's 700 other kids in Kayla School without a placement as well. So we're all in the same situation. 700 who ultimately won't get a place in the years to come? Seven. Seven, there's seven kids in seven, class. Seven other now. Oh, yeah. I thought yeah, there were 700 in the school in total. No. Yeah. <laughs> they have um, They have no placement either for September. And the numbers are just getting worse because there's 16 kids leaving Cara as well next year. And there's only 10 being accepted into trust. So, like, the numbers are getting higher and higher, but the places aren't becoming available. And are, are more um, children now being diagnosed with intellectual disabilities and spectrum issues? Is, is that the reason why, do you think? I think it's due to poor, poor planning and failure to plan ahead. Like, these kids went into care five years ago. They had five years to plan for them coming out. Like, they hardly just expected them to sit back, stay at home and do nothing after primary education. They needed to have something set for when they came out of secondary school. Yeah, rather than a bottleneck that was always going to happen, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So now we're just left limbo. There's nothing set up. Because I'm also hearing of of parents with smallies who are having trouble trying to get them into primary schools for special needs. There is. And, like, there's a lot of the closing lists for certain schools are closed. So they're actually not even taking applications. So, like, I feel sorry for anyone coming into the system now because they have a long road and a long battle ahead. They really do. What are you going to do? I don't know, Neil. I'm just going to have to keep fighting it and keep fighting it. But how much fight is left to me, I really, really don't know. I'm heartbroken. It's taken up a lot of my time. I'm after a newborn baby and I'm on my maternity leave, which I should be enjoying. And I just... 
I can't enjoy it because I'm too busy doing emails, phone calls, and then the board of ed or the Department of Education or the ministers can't even have the decency to send me an email back or give me a phone call. Do you know? I just did anybody like ever think of creating a schooling system where a child like your daughter would stay in school in the same school right through primary and secondary and never having oh. to move? There's many other special needs. Um, primary schools slash secondary schools and Skullcarra is the only special needs school that only keeps them up until 12. Yeah. Most of the kids are kept in the other se- in primary secondary up until the age of 18. And so if I hear of anybody who wants to maybe help or get involved to help you sort something, would you be okay with me giving them your details? Oh yeah, definitely, most definitely, yeah. You have my number there and they can contact me through my Facebook or Instagram, whichever is easiest. Okay, because I'm sure I'm going to get texts and calls from other parents, perhaps in a similar situation or indeed with some advice to pass on. How about all of that? Yeah, perfect, that would be great. Okay, well thanks for taking the call for now, Ashling. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Bye. Text 0868104106 if you have something to add to that or if you have a situation that you'd like to share yourself, you can always email neil at redfm.ie. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. One of the potential problems down the track will be these vaccine certs that will open access for some people and prevent access for others. The difference between the two sets will be whether you're vaccinated or not. This will grant this plan they're talking about involving vaccine certificates. I know that there'll be physical or digital certificates on your phone or whatever. It'll give uh, people more freedom post-jab, uh, while others then who are waiting and waiting uh, will have to just cool their heels for that little bit longer. But what we see now at the moment is that just over 13% of the population have received at least their first jab. Um, so I think, it, I mean... I can go further than say the 13% of the population uh, have received at least the first jab. And of that, 5.5% of them have been fully vaccinated. So go and work that out yourself. 13% uh, have certainly got the first and 5% of the population have got both. I hope that that helps PJ with regards to his conversation with me. PJ, good morning. Hi, good morning. So that's where we're at. And the majority of those would be the AstraZeneca vaccine, a smaller amount of them, of course, uh, others. But AstraZeneca seems to be the only game in town at the moment. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, there's other vaccines out there, Neil. There's there's loads of one-jab vaccines out there. Why is there so much emphasis being put on the AstraZeneca? Um, I think that the UK has just um, released are given permission for the Moderna vaccine to be used. And the next ones to come on then will be the one jab, the one jab, Johnson, Johnson, isn't it? Yeah, it's the, yeah, the Johnson and Johnson one um, is there. And there's another, I think you heard something on the news there about one of the countries in South America are using uh, a different vaccine as well. The Sputnik one is out there too. Yeah, actually the latest, the latest information now is that it's the Pfizer one that we're, we're, um, vaccinating people more with followed by AstraZeneca and third Moderna so there's the Sputnik Russian one there's the Johnson one jab one there's um, there's a, a Chinese vaccination going on I'm, I'm not making a joke there there really is one. Uh, oh, I know that yeah yeah I heard about that yeah yeah and maybe it's just that they haven't been licensed yet well I'm sure there's been five been licensed through what four or five I think has been licensed um, through Europe but uh, I mean AstraZeneca has fallen down from the word go 
I don't know what I don't know why England doesn't seem to have a problem with uh, getting their hands on the supply of it. I mean, you, you look at Ireland since January. There's less than a million people vaccinated. There's less than a million people with the first jab. And yeah. less than that again with the second jab. Yeah, 932,000 doses of COVID have been administered. And of that, 270,000 have been given both jabs. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah? I mean, Well, it doesn't when you consider we're supposed to get a million in May, a million in April, and a million so on. I think, I, I don't know. No, but I remember only weeks and weeks, some weeks back, that figure was 150,000. Now it's 932,000 doses. So, one in six, you know, we've got the first dose. I mean, it's, I know it's frustratingly slow, but the pace is picking up. Yeah, but you see, it's the thing, you see, the, the, the government are playing carrot and donkey um, politics. It, it, it's, you know, next week, next year, next month. I mean, there's less, there's supposed to be a million coming in in April. You it think it would be very out. simple just to order more? Just order more, and if it's such a thing as, as like if I wanted a hundred chalk ices, and if it were that simple, you, I mean they're not total clowns. If it were that simple, they would do it. Oh, well, I I don't know about the total clowns bit now. To be honest, the way the, the way the, the state the country is in at the present moment, and I know it's not an easy call. I know it's not an easy call um, that Mayor Martin has, but he's just they're, they're just making wrong moves. Nobody seems to know where anybody is or what anybody is doing. Well, they'd want to honour their promise, which they make over and over again, that we will see a rapid, a rapid increase followed by another rapid increase followed by another. That's the kind of language they're using now. This is the kind of language you're using, but that's not the kind of thing that's coming through. As I was saying to you there, if I wanted 100 chalk ices and you had only 20 in your shop and somebody else had 30 in their shop and somebody else had 50 in their shop, you'd shop in all three shops, wouldn't you? Yeah, you also don't want to pick up on how it's spreading. You're, you're aware that outdoors doesn't seem to be the big problem we were led to believe it was. Yeah, outdoor is not the, the biggest the, the problem there is. They say indoor is, and I'm sure where you get marquees and you get, you get these mass gatherings for protests against anti mask, anti-lockdown, you know, which I think is particularly wrong because, you know, we are, uh, we are coming out of this and holding a mass protest where you're going to get a couple of thousand people, a couple of hundred people. Oh, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's too early to see any kind of spike on side from the Bell Field or spike on side from the Keys or a spike on side from the Lock. We'll have to wait and see. We didn't get spikes the last time from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nor from the rallies or the marches. The main, the main source of infection at the present moment is the, uh, I think the N one is that the name of the, the English. The English one, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's the English. That didn't come from my house. It didn't come from yours either. So, yeah, but use the chalk ice analogy. Just buy more. Okay. All right. Thanks, PJ. Cheers. Just buy more. All right, I want to get Eileen before I quit this morning because I want to go out on a song, if you don't mind. So, Eileen, good morning. Hello, Lee. And at 81 years old, you have fond memories of y'all. Oh, my God. I'm in the element here listening to it. <laughs> From the age of three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was being taken down to y'all at three and my sister was five. My father was in the army. And every August we go down on holidays and we stay down by Moby Dick's around the corner in a house. You could see the clock from it. 
You rented a house or was it a bed and yeah, breakfast? I rented or? every year and we stayed there for a good few years. But then as time went on and we grew up and there was more children came along, we moved up along towards the uh, front land. All right. But no one mentioned a shop, a lovely restaurant that was there when we were in our teens. We used to go to Colin McCary's. Did you ever hear of it? Well, usually that'd be kind of an Italian chipper with a name like Macari's, no? Yeah, yeah. and when we, we used to go down there every night, we were only about 12 or 13, you know, and we used to go down there for the chips every night on being, and do you remember the, the jukeboxes? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with, there was a jukebox there, and if you, we, we'd all have our, our money, whatever it was, we'd print our money, and we'd pick out our song, and we'd be bopping away. Was in Macari's, they had the jukebox. In Macari's. And then as we grew up in other bits, we started going to showboat. So you're talking about the early 50s and all the I years am. that followed. I am. And showboat was where? Was that a, it was was that a dance? It was the railway, by the mer- where the Marys was like. Yeah. It, it's the building is still there. So did you go to the dances in Red Barn then a few years later? Yeah. When we, yeah, we used to go up there every second week and we'd walk up, the, we'd walk up the strand. Because we had no cars. <laughs> so at this stage now, you were a teenager, wasn't you? Were, yeah. But we then, we wouldn't, we might go up together, but we might back, come back together later. And who's the so we? Really, would you have buddies down there that would also go down from Cork every year? No, just our family. No, we did meet other people from y'all in the years going down there, you see, yeah, that yeah. we'd see the next year. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there was loads of people met their husbands down there, Neil. Did you? No, I didn't. No, no. I didn't. But uh, I had great time down there. So eventually, when I got married and had a few children, I started bringing my own children down. And we stayed in a house across, you know, Farrell's. I do, yeah. Yeah. Right across the road from Farrell's, there was houses along there. And we stayed in a house there for... 13, 15 years running until 91 and I bought my first mobile home in the hilltop. Oh my God, the hilltop is gone now but oh. back in the day it was a well, great spot. There. No, the hotel is gone. The hotel is gone, Caravan yeah. Park is still oh there. no, it's a fine, I was only in there last summer, I mean it's a well, fine caravan yeah, park. Uh, but I miss, I miss it now but uh, my husband died in 2004 and I gave it up then, you see. Did you? I did. But I still go down there. I actually missed it last year. No, I used to always go down on his birthday on the 10th of June because he absolutely loved y'all. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. Loved the and, outdoors, um, loved the beach. I'll get down now this summer, Neil. Yeah, yeah. Where did you meet him then if you didn't meet him in y'all as a I teenager? I met him in the arc. <laughs> the Arcadia. In the Arcadia. Down at a Dixie's gig, a I suppose, something. It was, what was the, do you he remember? He was with a friend, and I was with a friend, and he danced me a couple of times, but I, we didn't come out together. But we were coming up along McCurston Street, and I said to my friend, there's fellas walking behind us. <laughs> <laughs> and we got up to the corner by um, Paddy, what about the corner? Paddy corner. Barry's corner. Yeah, and uh, next day came alongside of us, and... <laughs> <laughs> and we were talking away, so we just crossed the road because we, we, I was living in Roach's Buildings, you see. Yeah. And my friend was up in Farden Ray, so we, we'd go out the Walsh Coast Road. We'd walk out that way God. by Murphy's Brewery. There's no jumping and in a taxi walk. taking you home then, sure, wasn't? No. When we got to Murphy's Brewery, then I, I was with my fella and talking away, says, I'm going this way now, says, I up Treva Hospital steps. 
And uh, he came with me and his friend went with my other friend, took her to Farnery, and that was the start of us. And back in the day, there was no gamble or worry or, you know, you wouldn't Not be apprehensive. Day. We no. had a great, great time growing up, Neil. We yeah. really did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. really did. I had a great life up to now anyway. Yeah. You know, I'm 81 now nearly, like... Your dad was in the army then, so he, he was. He yeah. was, yeah. Yeah. So did he you? Was actually, a Dublin man, Neil. Because <laughs> way, way back then, families were kind of reared either in the barracks or around the barracks as well, weren't no, they? No, we live. You see, we live. There was houses like, for some of the army, wasn't there? Well, in Roach's buildings, you see, the barracks was only over the, the back wall. Yeah. For us. Yeah. You know. So um, we had the gate. You then up by the barracks too. That's right, Quinny's Quinny's cinema. Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. The Neil. cameo, brilliant. wasn't it? it? Was the cameo? The cameo, the cameo. That's right. He only well, died. He, only, he didn't. He didn't die all that long. But he was a lovely yeah. man, Seamus yeah. Quinn. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So, so will you will you not get down to you all over the summer then for no bit of a spin? Oh, I get down for a day anyway. That's go into, into Farrell's maybe and try and have a bit of food outdoors or something like that? No, I prefer to go down the town. I love going down the town. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, listen, it's lovely chatting with you. People love hearing a bit of reminiscing. Look Thanks, after yourself. Love. Thank you very Take much. Care. Bye, Take bye, care. Bye, 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 bye. Last bit of business and I'll pick up again in the morning. Lot, apologies, an awful lot of texts and emails that I haven't got to, but very busy phone-wise. But I mentioned at the top of the show, the start of the show, the Kitchen Disco Top 10 makes the tabloids today. The mirror has uh, got the whole 10 in there and you've got, well, Justin Timberlake and Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars, Brian Adams, The Summer of 69, The Spice Girls Wannabe. These are the songs that people, I imagine they're primarily pitching this at women. Why do I say this? Because they're kind of, for me, they're, they're songs that I would associate with people as, as an ex-jock that women danced to back in I'm not saying the guys didn't, but it certainly wouldn't be my top 10. Uh, I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. Queen, Don't Stop Me Now. Uh, Taylor Swift, Shake It Off. Happy by Farrell Williams. In second place, I Want to Dance with Somebody, be Whitney Houston. But the most popular kitchen disco top 10, for those of you right now in the kitchen, is the blonde one from the ABBA. That's the top uh, kitchen boogie song, ABBA and uh, Dancing Queen. For I Love You and Leave You Neil, aren't Kerry people gas all the same? They take Dublin people's money and then stab them in the back. I don't know what you mean by that. Uh, not being a dub, I've never been stabbed in the back. Uh, we have the same conversation in again this year as last year with the so-called wet pubs. It's becoming very clear that the government just don't want to open them. They need to stand together and open up or they'll never open. Just make the decision yourselves. Another one, just wondering how these wet pubs would cater for their outdoor customers when toilet facilities are required, says Marie. Well, I'd say they'd use um, their loaf and make it work. The government will try and keep the wet pubs closed for as long as they can just to show they have power over the people. This government's a disaster on their COVID plan. Most of England is open next week and they have more cases of COVID every day than any of us did. And then somebody else was making some comparisons between Kinsale for retirement and overseas for retirement. Kinsale is great to retire if you're a government minister, but not normal folk, no way. Like, for instance, Kinsale coffee, four euro. Spain, one euro. So as for the weather in Spain, 300 days of sun, cheap to eat out. Kinsale, 39 days of sun, a mortgage to eat out. You'd need some pension to retire in Ireland and some pension to retire to Kinsale. That's why so many people move. 
well, at least we'll be able to get down and visit from Monday. Lines will stay open at one 850 You can text 0868 Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.